1: Told her to kill me.
2: Yes, but here you are, and there she is.
0: Finally, a girl is no one. A girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell. And I'm going home.
3: When you play the Game of Microphones, you win or you die. From within the house of black and white, it's Sir Duncan and Lady Rachel.
2: Good morrow, waifs, imps, and floppy fish, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, murderer of the mundane
3: and i'm lady rachel of house fox the achiever
2: and this is episode 100
3: Woo!
2: Dude, how about that huh
3: oh my gosh it's so cool triple totally. digits <laughs>
2: yes and thanks to all of our listeners for sticking with us and downloading game of microphones it's an honor to be able to provide you with supplementary material for your favorite tv series the best series of all time game of thrones
3: what? What? <laughs> oh, so cool. Yes. I love it that we made it to 100 episodes.
2: And many more.
3: And many more.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, we get tons of spin off series to cover, too.
3: Yes. And maybe even some book stuff if yeah. I can ever get my nose back in the books. <laughs> <laughs> On this episode of our series rewatch, we are covering Game of Thrones season six, episode eight No One.
2: And in case you're not already aware, this series rewatches from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen up through season seven. If not, there's still time to be launched by a catapult into the walls of a castle so you don't have to hear these spoilers. Yeah.
0: Spoiler alert.
3: Spoiler alert. I <laughs> <Thank> God, <laughs> That was such a horrible line. From
2: <laughs> I know. It's so good. The things we do for love, right?
3: I'm just going to fling your baby into a catapult and it over the wall. <laughs> nice.
2: Oh, so brutal. And he
3: would do it. He threw Bran out a window. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him.
2: Totally. Yeah. It's interesting how by letting Edmure go, his enemy in this circumstance, he's, he's paralleling Lady Catelyn, letting him go on the promise yeah. of him fulfilling an obligation in the hopes of being reunited with a family member. Yeah. Total parallel.
3: Very poetic.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this is a pretty great episode too, huh?
3: I really like this episode. I kind of forgot. I mean, I always remember this episode from the WAIF T-1000.
2: Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> That's
3: like when I think of this episode of No One, I think of Arya. And I kind of always forget. We see a lot of other people and there's some really, really good stuff in this episode that I'm always happily reminded when I watch it.
2: Yeah. Like I always think that the scene when with Sandor taking the ax to all those guys is in the last episode. So I always forget that that's in this (laughs) one, for instance.
3: Oh my God. So cool. I'm sure that's probably in your top five.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is actually. It's my number five. Should we start with that?
3: (laughs) Why don't we start with that? All right. I called it fucking (laughs) epic. I
2: called it, uh, Butthole buggery before brutalization oh my God. slash shit at dying.
3: No crushed up assholes in this
2: situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know who's mashing up that asshole. It like.
3: Oh, that's right. He did an ax to it.
2: No, no, I mean the first guy with his finger.
3: Oh, yeah. Ew, yeah. That was so gross.
2: <laughs> yeah, the butthole buggery.
3: Ew, and then he smells it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, right? Why
3: would you stick your finger up another man's ass? Right.
2: Who does that?
3: Like... Just for fun. I mean, <laughs>
2: lures him okay, in yeah. and everything. Oh man. As soon as he starts put, putting his hands on him, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like what it comes. What's, you know, what's about to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was like, why would you like, why would you do that to your friend? You know, it, it made me think of this story that Jonah Hill told. So Jonah Hill, it's like the first time, first time he's going out in Hollywood and he's with one of his friends and they go into this club and they're hanging out and he goes into the bathroom to take a piss and he sees his, um his friend in the in the bathroom at the urinal so he walks over to him as he's taking a piss and grabs his shoulders and goes earthquake and like shakes him around and there's like piss flying everywhere and uh oh my God. <laughs> his friend turns around and it's not jonah hill's friend at all it's a completely random person uh and it's it's casey affleck and he's like what the fuck man why'd you do that <laughs> And Jonah Hill's like, oh, oh, my God, no, I'm I'm so sorry. I thought you were my friend. He's like, why would you do that to your friend? (laughs) That's even worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. This is kind of like apparently these guys aren't friends because right? he's like fuck you disgusting old twats like it doesn't seem like oh they've like been traveling together for very long or something like that like, which no. makes it even more intense just to like this.
3: three guys like camping out in the woods together sticking their fingers up each other's butts
2: <laughs> yeah i think it was four guys but yeah yeah <laughs> broke
3: back mountain anyone
2: <laughs> uh, so brutal
3: uh yeah
2: so that's pretty hilarious and as that guy's recovering from the um the sexual assault (laughs) the (laughs) hound is approaching from behind oh my
3: god i love it he's on a mission oh
2: yeah just walking right up like almost like (laughs) t-1000 style
3: Kind of with
2: uh, with just with the axe in his hands and he just swings that fucker and everybody else looks like kind of scared and they're all well, they back and getting
3: up. They're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> getting and
2: retreating and the guy's like, huh? And like turns around and right as he turns around, he catches he the
3: axe. The
2: head lopped <laughs> <off>. <laughs> his whole head comes off in one swing. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, no slouch with an axe myself, but that is a nice swing of the axe right there. Taking off somebody's head in one swing.
3: I can honestly say I've never swung an axe. Really?
2: Oh, never. Man. love swinging axes.
3: I've watched people cut wood before and I thought maybe I, I no, I didn't help. I did not participate.
2: <laughs> I just fun. watched. <laughs> it is very therapeutic as you suggested last episode.
3: Maybe I should start chopping some wood outside.
2: Get a sledgehammer. It'll be like part of your power lifting. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so, so Sandor comes in there and just starts thrashing these guys and um oh before anybody can do anything he basically slams his axe into the chest of a second guy who's just like ah, ah, you know <laughs> like caught so off guard by this whole thing and then he turns he pulls the axe out rips it out of the guy's chest and turns back around and and swings it a backhand right and just whack like slices this guy's throat like perfectly mm. and the guy's like ah, you know and then he he swings that that acts like an uppercut almost right into that guy's groin pulls it out and <laughs> I don't even want to know what fell out of there from in between that guy's Ew. legs you know?
0: <laughs> I don't even want
2: to know what that was <laughs> Oh my god! And this part is hilarious. His brief interrogation of the bald guy—what's um, <laughs> his name? Gattens. Yeah, Gattens. Gattens. Yeah. Very romantic. You know, you jam your jam your thumb right up a buttonhole. Um, he briefly, only briefly, has the opportunity to interrogate him. What does he say? He's like, Where's the where's the other one? The one with the yellow cloak the guy from the horse last week.
0: Fuck you. Yeah,
2: those are your last words. Fuck you. Come on, you can do better. <laughs> You're shit, your shit at dying. You're shit at dying. You know that. <laughs> that is a classic quote right there. Oh my god. It was so funny. And the the hound ought to know too, because he's killed quite a few people in his day
3: that's true
2: he's quite he's kind of an expert on on people dying you could say
3: i would have to agree
2: yeah so i'm just like damn legendary the hound for the win anything else about this uh (laughs) first scene you want to talk about no the bunghole or anything
3: it's like the the rebirth of the hound
2: yeah yeah, that like
3: definitely. he he was like kind of resurrected and turned into kind of like this. He didn't have much of a purpose other than being kind of a laborer in that little village. And he was avoiding who he is, which is a killer. Right. And so this is him kind of stepping back into that role of I'm I'm on a war path right now because these guys aren't even guys that had anything to do with that little village being taken out. He just wants to fucking kill something right
2: now. That's possible. But I think these guys are connected with the people that killed the church builders. Cause the hound asks, where's the guy with the lemon with the yellow cloak, you know, as if he is assuming that they're connected and he would know, but they're just pawns of the Lord of light who were functional to, to bring Sandor to both bring Sandor back into the fold and act reactivate his houndiness kind of, and yeah. to lead <laughs> him to the group of people that are heading North fight the undead
3: yes i have this in my notes too um that this is this is a little bit later i'm sure we'll go over it um when he meets back up with thoros i was like oh this starts his journey north to the wall
2: the reluctant hero we'll talk more about that (laughs) later for sure
3: sure cool
2: it's i think it was kind of fucked up how um (laughs) to go back to the 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 first part of this scene it was pretty fucked up how that guy's like he's like oh this this kissing lesson is only for the masters you know this this technique and the guy is like who's ready for it and the guy volunteers like you don't want to volunteer for whatever is going on here no <laughs> yeah that just kind of blew my mind
3: like why I didn't know guys practice kissing with each other yeah, they either don't,
2: they don't this,
3: this, I know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of weird that whole situation was weird
2: yeah totally what's uh, what's your number five what do you got
3: I choose violence.
2: Yes, nice. That's my number four. So perfect.
3: Cool, perfect. Yeah, so Cersei's in the Red Keep and Sir Gregor is standing out in the hallway and Kyburn approaches and he informs Cersei that there are some faith militant in the Red Keep looking to speak with her.
2: Yeah, they've been permitted entry.
3: They have been let in by... Who do you think? Is it Tommen?
2: Yeah, apparently it seems like Tommen is aware of it. So he's allowed it to happen. And, um, you know how later on in the episode, he makes the announcement about the trial by combat being eliminated and and outlawed.
3: Mm
2: hmm. says that he's praying at this moment. I think that he was praying on that decision. Like, like, Oh yes. You know, coming to grips with allowing his mother to go back into the, um, the grips of the, the sparrows basically.
3: Yeah, I have to agree. That's for sure. So Cersei's like, fuck, I need to go deal with these guys. Come on, the mountain. Come follow me, my little pet dog. (laughs)
2: Come on, the mountain.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Come along, the mountain. Come on, Mountie. (laughs) And they get kind of cut off around the corner. There's some faith militant and they're looking a little bit... Cocky right, and yeah. Lancel's there, and they have their arms crossed, and they have all the chains on, and they're archaic, like medieval weapon-looking, yep. like ball and chain weapons, and
2: <laughs> those four-pointed, spiky axe things.
3: They're stupid engravings on their face, yeah, sure, on their it's... head, <laughs> so lancel's like um his holiness the high Septon, wishes to speak with you and cersei's like i'm not going to talk to him he yeah. can come here like yeah. he told me i could stay in the red keep until my trial why am i being summoned to the sept of Baylor now
2: yeah what the fuck
3: like i'm not going and lancel's like well he commands you to
2: yeah and kyburn did you notice kyburn at this part
3: yeah, he's looking at Cersei. Yeah,
2: he's like looking back and forth, almost mm-hmm. like he looks like like excited, like he, like he can't fucking wait to see his creation unleashed. You know? I
3: think that's exactly what's going yeah. through his mind. I think he's hoping that there's going to be...
2: He wants to see it in action.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen it in action, but yeah. he has not.
2: <laughs> but, we, but we really want to see it unleashed on the faith militant, like the viewers of the show, too. So he's kind of like playing the part of the viewer at this point, like, ooh, shit, you know, shit, shit's getting crazy. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I love when they yes. do that. They work in a character on the show, like saying something that the viewers are thinking or, yeah, you know, totally. that type of thing.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So Lancel's like, he didn't say, anything like that. Um, you, if you were, if you refuse to come, Cersei cut them off. Get out. <laughs> Get out. And yep. Gregor, the mountain, Mr. The mountain steps in front.
2: Right. Cause Lancel nods at the, at his guys like, Oh, she's not going to, you know, yeah, we're
3: going to forcibly take her. Yeah, and exactly. The mountains like, are you fools? Like, are you really fools? And he looks super creepy. Dude, we we're getting the angle of like what it would be like to stand in front of that actor and have him be literally like two heads taller than you, <laughs> and you're the camera angle is like looking up into his helmet, and all yeah. like, all you see is this purple face with these like blackish red eyes,
2: creepy eyes, and they're just like they're like kind of widening a little bit and like looking all crazed,
3: and you can see the faith militant start kind of like oh shit, it's kind of the same reaction that we got with the Lannister soldiers. Right.
2: Yeah, basically. That was when, just a preview.
3: Yeah. She's like, we don't, you know, we don't, we just can't let you pass. Like we have to follow the king's orders. And I think Cersei in that situation, she's like, I, I get it. Like I'm not gonna unleash the mountain on you for fulfilling your duties to my son. Right. But in this situation <laughs> She's like, go for it, Mr. The Mountain. Yeah, she's
2: like, I'm never going back to the fucking sept of Baylor again.
3: Yeah. So like, I love in it. In fact,
2: you know, I'm going to deal with that place. <laughs> Lancel,
3: you know, order your man to step aside or there will be violence. And we get a close up of Cersei. Yeah. She goes, I choose violence. Fine. And
1: I'm like, yes.
3: Oh, my God. The mountain's going to fuck some shit up here.
2: And Lancel looked almost excited about it too before that. He was like looking all smug, like like he was yeah. like he wanted the violence almost. It's like, dude, are you insane?
3: Yeah, like you're in front too. I think he's, you'd probably be the first one that would have to go up against the mountain. <laughs> he'd, yeah, I <he'd> think so. <laughs> so cue the idiot <laughs> to Lancel's side who just comes in and gets his arm or his weapon stuck in Sir Gregor's armor. <laughs>
2: and the echo that it makes when it hits that armor is insane. And he
3: didn't even move. He got yeah. hit super hard and he stayed completely stationary. It didn't favor <laughs> him at all. It yeah, like it was like hitting a brick wall. Yep. And he kind of looks down at it and looks up at the guy and just Picks him up with one hand just under the neck. And I'm like, oh yeah, no. <laughs>
2: the guy like wrenches the hammer out from the chest plate and like kind of looks at it. And like, I couldn't tell if there was blood on the spikes, could you?
3: Oh, I, you know what? It didn't even occur to me to look. I thought it just got stuck in his armor because oh, yeah. it was thick armor. Yeah, he
2: pulled it out and then he was going to swing again and that's when he like kind of looks down at it like, oh my god, <laughs> it didn't do anything and Gregor just yeah. like, grabs him by the throat. I
3: kind of want to go back now and look to see if there's blood on it because that would be really telling.
2: Yeah, if we can um, see if, if there was like entry wounds.
3: truly was like resurrected or if he's under some type of like necromancy spell. Yeah. So... Then he tosses the guy off to the side. (laughs) Love it. Just tosses him over there and walks up and rips his face off. Like literally rips his face off. His whole head. I know. I know. From the upper part of his mouth off.
2: I think it was actually like under his jaw. Like he grabbed under his chin.
3: Oh, okay. Ripped
2: his whole head off. Because there's a, a still frame that I saw where he's like grabbing the front of his face and his fingers are reaching right under his oh, whole jaw.
3: Oh, yikes.
2: And just one smooth motion just oh, lifts it right off and just flings it right across the, Did the courtyard. Did you see
3: Kyburn's reaction to that?
2: Yeah, he was just like, ugh. He looked like he, he was like in ecstasy.
3: He's like another dead body for me to fuck with.
2: <laughs> this is when he, in his mind he was like,
3: oh, oh my. Oh my.
2: Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> that was Kyburn in that moment, right? And totally. Lancel is like, oh! <laughs> his whole head turns following that head they just fly across the courtyard. Off.
3: They just run off.
2: Yeah, yeah. They sort of all and instinctively started to retreat when he lifted up that guy.
3: Yeah, fuck yeah, I would. And Cersei's like, please tell the High Holiness, he's always welcome here. Yeah, <laughs> like this is what you're facing if you come here.
0: Totally. Like you're not
3: safe here. You can't tell me what to do in the castle.
2: There's a couple Star Wars homages in this episode that I've noticed.
3: Oh, really? Is this one of them?
2: Yeah. The, uh, this is one where in episode four of Star Wars, in the first scene, when Darth Vader enters the rebel ship and he's walking along and he, he's trying to interrogate one of the guys and he chokes the guy and lifts him up off the ground. And that's basically what Gregor is doing here. He grabs him and lifts oh, him up yes, off the ground. Oh I
3: remember that. It's been a long time since I've yeah. seen that Star Wars. And he
2: like crushes the guy's throat. Um, oh, it's so good. And <laughs> and so here, Gregor basically does that. It's cool because it's the first time that we see Darth Vader in action—that choke and lift—and here it's the first time seeing the the new mountain Frank and Gregor in action. So this is sort of like a Darth Vader moment for Gregor, which I thought was kind of cool. And then later in the episode. With Tyrion and Varys, they reference the famous scene as Han Solo is being dropped down into the carbonite bath to be frozen. And Leia's like, she can't take it anymore. And she's like, I love you to Han. And he's like, I know. I know. (laughs) And we get that that kind of here with Tyrion and Varys. As Varys is walking away,
3: Tyrion can't handle it. He's like, I'm going to miss you.
2: Varusus, I know.
3: Didn't our Arch- Archmaester Stitches bring that up when he was guest hosting with us about I think so. um, Han Solo saying "I know" instead of "I love you too"? That that was total, like yeah,
2: it was ad lib,
3: ad lib, yeah. yeah,
2: amazing,
3: crucial, crucial scene,
2: crucial. So that was cool, Darth Vader moment here for Undead Mountain, and I uh, love the way
3: they all three of them turned to walk away too. Kybern looks super satisfied. Cersei's like. Has her bitch face on and the yeah. mountain is just like
2: hulking along.
3: Yep, he's just doing his thing.
2: Oh, I was like, Hulk. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. No, not Hulk. Hodor's the Hulk.
3: Juggernaut. Yeah,
2: Juggernaut, exactly. Yeah. Juggernaut.
3: Yes, he is the Juggernaut for sure. Totally. So, yeah, that's all I had for my number five. Do you have anything else you want to add?
2: Yeah, just one thing, which is there's. When he rips off that guy's head.
3: Oh, the and camera angle it. in the drain.
2: Yes, exactly. Yes!
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go for it.
2: That shot of the blood dripping through the, the grate is just amazing. Really well. I wonder uh, why they went
3: with that. Um, do you think it symbolizes anything? Do you think they were trying to, I thought it kind of represented like it was the first bloodshed. Of this war between the throne and the high Sparrow. Mm. It's kind of the first like major, I think it's the first death.
2: Yeah. So you could say like, this is like the first time where the, like the plane is broken. The
3: blood has actually been spilling. Like the tension's been there for a really long time, but the blood has been spilt.
2: Yep. The blood has been spilled. Uh, it's like crossing the line has been crossed basically. And the, you could say that the blood crossing through the the great, the great would be like the, the line or the plane and it's permeating through now.
3: Yeah. And her, and Cersei saying that she chooses, she's choosing violence. She's done with this war of words. Yeah. She's choosing violence. She's like, it's I'm going
2: kinetic prepared
3: now. to spill blood and I'm going to do it right now.
2: Yep, So hard- hardcore. Nice.
3: Love it. I'm so glad you brought that up. I forgot about that.
2: Yeah. I love that shot. It also sort of reminded me of the shot in, um, in moles town when Gilly's hiding with the baby in the closet and yeah. people are dying upstairs and blood is dripping through the floorboards. Yeah. Just like the angle from bol- beneath. Where you realize just how much blood is in a person as it spills down and mm. downwards and gravity is just taking Ugh. it wherever it goes you know <laughs> yeah pretty crazy right
3: Eibijibis.
2: yeah exactly uh so yeah just a really great episode i love the way kyburn smirks at the end like he, he, he. so yes. awesome really great.
3: violence
2: yep yeah that was so that was my number four as well okay um how about your number four
3: So my number four is the reunion of Sandor Clegane and Thoros of mirror.
2: Nice.
3: Yes. So is this in your top five at all? Um,
2: yeah, kind of. It's Sandor. The reluctant hero is my number two.
3: Okay. Why don't, if, if this is part of your number two, why don't you take this?
2: Yeah, if you want to, I'll, just start, I'll start with sure. it. Sure.
3: Yeah, why don't you go ahead and take this since we just did my number five.
2: Okay. So Sandor catches up with Lem Lemoncloak and friends, the murderers, but not before Thoros of Myr and Beric Dondarrion caught up with them. And they've already got them all strung up and everything, huh?
3: Yep, they're ready to go. <laughs>
2: I love the way that uh, Beric and, um, and Thoros greet Sandor. Beric's just like, Clegane. <laughs> and doris is like what the fuck are you fuck doing are here, you dude? doing here Sandor, <laughs> you know obviously is chasing them and uh you doris hanging them i thought that was a funny little back Thoros and forth of there. mirror
3: is funny yeah like totally
2: him. yeah he's a great character um like a sort of like a doesn't give a fuck style character yeah
3: yeah he's different than a lot of the characters we have on the show
2: yeah so Sandor asks why they're hanging them and it turns out that they're both hanging that they both want him dead for the same reason that they attacked the nearby sept and murdered the murdered the villagers and Sandor is like, "Oh, well, you know, perfect. I was helping build I'm that sept <laughs> and he killed a friend of mine." <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, really surprising sentences from Sandor. Like he was helping a build friend? a sept." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he was doing something to like like promote religion which is in, intense um from him and also he was he had a friend like you said yeah um so Thoros, is thoros like, actually yeah, points
3: right, that out.
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs> i had paused it before thoros's reply to and was already writing down like how strange that was and then play play thoros is like you've got friends and sandor's <laughs> like not anymore <laughs> not anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh man that sucks that's so great it's like they're these fuckers are mine basically and and uh they have to physically block him from coming up with his axe and they're they're pissed also because they've they've uh, sullied the brotherhood's good name um you know the the brotherhood is not what they're about yeah they're not about this bullshit so uh they are taking you know they're they've basically tried them and are gonna handle it on themselves to to make up for for their honor basically and so sandor is like dude like this is not cool fuck that fuck your name they're mine these fuckers and uh he sorts of he steps up to beric Dondary and he's like i killed you once before <laughs> happy to do it again and this right at that moment this guy cocks his boat he like draws his Bowstring back and is aiming it at Sandor. And without even turning to look at him, he, Sandor holds up the axe, pointing at him. He's just like, drop that arrow, you bloody girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a fucking great line. Um, a little a little sexist, but hilarious nonetheless. It was uh, funny. Right, yeah, totally. Sandor is just such a great character, and he's huge, man. He towers way over these guys. I think Rory McCann is six six. Wow. So, yeah, he's a pretty solid guy, like, in terms of size. Um, And (laughs) as the guy's still aiming the bow, Sandor says, Tougher girls than you have tried to kill me. Brienne of Tarth. Yeah, and so that made me think, because we were talking about uh, Sandor potentially having been resurrected by the Lord of Light last episode, or, you know, not during last episode, but last episode we were talking about it, after being left for dead by Arya so if sandor did die and was res- resurrected he's seemingly unaware of it because he refers to brienne as of having only have tried to have killed him oh uh, yes and um he also says we all die except for this one over here you know and like nods at barrick so it <laughs> right if he if he had known that he was resurrected if he was resurrected he would have said you know except me and that guy right so if he did come back from the dead he seems to be unaware of it is basically what i'm getting at
3: and i think that's kind of interesting because i do we ever get if barrick remembers his deaths because john does
2: yeah
0: he
3: remembers that he died Sandor was was like
2: passed out from lack of blood or something he may not have remembered dying John remembers, like, like being stabbed and, like, the immediate I know, trauma. but he probably
3: bled out, too, because of all the stab wounds. Right.
2: But he... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, in either case, they probably, when they bled out and passed out, would have probably thought they were going to die. Like, I mean, you know, John was pretty sure of it, with being stabbed directly in the heart and everything, but maybe Sandor thought that he could have survived. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, that's what it seems like. <laughs> so, uh, Barak... Is starting to feel Sandor's plate a little bit, and he's like, "Listen, you can have one of these guys." I'm like, fine, you know, take one of them. Sandor's like, "Give me two, <laughs> come on."
3: They're like, "Okay, fine." Yeah, two. and,
2: and Barracks like, "God, give him an inch, he takes a fucking mile." You know, he looks over at Thoros, and Thoros is like, "Nah, give it to him. It's cool. It's cool." So he's like, "Fine," give. <laughs> and he approaches with the axe. <laughs> and he's about to nail one of these guys and Thoros grabs the axe and he's like, no, 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 we're not butchers and as this is happening Lem Cloak is looking terrified in a hilarious fashion <laughs> he certainly does yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um, Sandor is pissed because he wants him to suffer basically, he's like, where's the punishment and like hanging, it's just all over in an instant, it's bullshit let me, i only gut one of them you know, let me gut one of them
3: right? <laughs> <laughs> i'll hang the other and i'll gut the first one yeah, Just, like, i want to put an axe into something
2: yeah barrack's like no he's like come on i'll chop off one hand barrack's like no <laughs> it's like <laughs> negotiating with like a little kid or something He's like bunch of nancies
3: i love it when justin tries to negotiate with me but what he negotiates is less than what i'm trying to give him like ah. for example he'll be like i want to Play with my toys for, I'll say, okay, Justin, you know, you can play for five more minutes. He goes, no, I want to play for three more minutes. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's great. Uh, Three minutes it is.
2: (laughs) Classic. yeah <laughs> um so i like barrick here he's like listen we gave you two out of the three out of respect for your loss like that's pretty generous you know we got to get some of our honor back and participate a little bit here ourselves right so i like uh they kind of agree but sandor has a great line where he's like you know at one point in my life i would have killed all seven of you just to gut these three it's
3: getting old
2: clegane <laughs> well he's not <laughs> kicks the bucket out from underneath one of these guys <laughs> classic moment sandor is the man i'm like yeah so funny
3: and then lem right he's freaking out
2: yeah he's trying to beg for his life no chance not a chance kicks the box yeah and then he's like he's he's they everybody starts walking away and Sandor like happens to notice his boots apparently and he, <laughs> he bends over is
3: Isn't that, that was so freak, like freakish. Everyone's looking at him like, dude, he's not even cold yeah. yet. <laughs> he's ripping his boots off.
2: Yeah. He's so casual about stealing the still strangling man's boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's two different types of ways to hang somebody. One where you drop them or you, you like, you remove something that they're standing on and they don't really fall any distance and it's the strangulation of the they rope that kills them. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then there's a second type, which is actually the instant the way of dying. crack. Right, yeah. This way, like Sandor's like, oh, you know, they'll it's over instantly. Not quite so much here. It's a, a few seconds of suffering as they suffocate, this type sure. of hanging. But yeah, there's like a, a calculation. There's a, like a mathematical equation for how heavy the body is or how heavy the person is for how far you need to drop them so that the fall will break their neck but not sever the head completely there's oh like an, there's an art to it <laughs> which is pretty crazy so yeah That's there's
0: crazy
2: yeah so there's two different types of hanging um just kind of interesting little historical side note there and yeah it's just great he's pulling the boots off this guy while he's still struggling and his legs and are kicking at and him and he just like
3: looks at them looks around, and he's like got anything to eat
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man gotta love the hound and then of course they're they're eating and all chilling, and they're like, Oh, they're like, how, how, How's the food, man? And he's like, I prefer chicken. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, he'll kill all of you for some chicken. He loves his chickens. Uh, Kentucky he does fried love hound. his
3: chickens. Hound fried chicken. So, Barrick is trying to get. Clegane to join because right. they could use they could use a big body like that and right. keep keep what they think is the peace.
2: It's like how I said that the Night King would try to would, would want Hodor in his army and his exactly. honor guard. You know, Beric's like, we, we could use this guy. Like, like,
3: <laughs> you have to ask the question.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally.
3: Um, I love Thoros He's, here. He's like, we're here for a reason. The Lord of Light is keeping Beric alive for a reason. Yes. He gave a failed drunk priest the power to bring him back for a reason. We're all a part of something larger than ourselves.
2: And this is our first hint that Thoros has been informed about the situation in the, no- in the north by the Lord of Light as well. He must have seen some visions in the flames or something. Yeah. Because they they know that there's like a, a greater war at this point.
3: Do you think maybe that's where they were heading is up north already? I
2: do. Yeah, I do.
3: Yeah. I got that vibe too because like, I mean... I found it interesting that he just said that we're all here for a reason and it kind of placates to what you said in a previous episode about the Hound maybe using Heartsbane and being like a really pivotal role in season eight because maybe of this line. I mean, Thoros is no longer with us. Like Beric Dondarrion is still alive, correct? Yes, he's still alive okay so thoros is gone but the hound and barrack are still yeah
2: i think barrack's gonna give his life to save the hound in season eight i really do he's the one that brings him onto the team here he's the one that's gonna put himself in the line on of fire line. to to make sure the hound survives potentially even resurrecting the hound himself
3: Ooh, wouldn't that be something that
2: would be he passes his own flame on to sandor
3: Yeah. So I do think they're heading to the north because actually Beric says cold winds are rising in the north.
2: Right. So that's how we really know that they know what's going on in the north. Like Thoros has has been um, he has seen the undead. Cold winds are rising. We know what that means. You know what happens when it gets cold. The White Walker has come.
3: It's the fire Wi-Fi versus the ice Wi-Fi. Exactly. (laughs) Or the network, the fire and ice network.
2: (laughs) Just like Melisandre has seen, you know, the undead in the flames and the the battles in the snow and the flames and everything like that. Thoros is seeing these visions as well and knows that they need to act.
3: With haste.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Big time. Big time. And Sandor is like all skeptical, like, what? And you're going to do something about the cold winds? Beric's like, we need good men to help us.
3: And Sandor's like uh last time we saw each other you tried to kill me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like
3: how can I trust you?
2: Right, but he brings <laughs> up how the Lord of Light, you know, once they basically still has purpose for Sandor. He's he it's it's kind of funny. He says that the Lord of Light gave him power to defeat the power to defeat Barrack, and the Hound's like <laughs> blows it blows that off. He's like, "Come on, I already had the power to defeat you. Like I beat you because I'm better than you, Barrack. <laughs> <laughs> I was better than you before you started yammering on about the Lord of Light, and I'm still better than you now. And I like Barrack gives it to him. He's like, "Yeah, you're probably right. You're a fighter. Yeah, you were born a fighter, but you walked away, tried the path of peace. How did that go? Nothing good happened. <laughs> Everybody you were with got killed. But the things that we're fighting." The reason we're going north, they will kill indiscriminately. The good, the bad, the old, and the young.
3: It's just the living in general.
2: Yeah. And, and, and that sort of makes Sandor look un, like nervous. It seems to be unnerved by that. Like, what things are we talking about here?
3: Oh, my gosh. What if the people that have been resurrected can't get killed by the White Walkers?
2: That would be interesting.
3: I just thought like that would be kind of a cool twist.
2: Yeah. It'd be like um, how the ice weapons can't kill or can't break the Valyrian steel type thing.
3: Yeah. And we've discussed this in the past that John kind of has like this protection around him in these battle type situations. Right. Kind of. So does the hound. And we can speculate that maybe he's been resurrected. Yeah. We have Thoros of mirror. Um, or not Mir. We've had Beric Dondarrion resurrected and he's up north and has survived that almost unsurvivable situation as well. Yep. So wouldn't that be a fun little twist? The Night King and Jon Snow go head to head and the Night King like stabs Jon Snow in the heart and Jon Snow just walks around with his ice lance (laughs) in his heart.
2: (laughs) Nice. All surprised,
3: like surprised the way he was surprised that long claw caught the White Walker's weapon. Right, just
2: the way that the white like, Walker was surprised <laughs> Yeah yeah. Pretty crazy.
3: I doubt that will happen, but I just <laughs> it was kind of a fun little tinfoil.
2: Fun little idea, yeah. <laughs> so the the line about these indiscriminate things in the north that will kill everybody makes Sandor nervous and Barrick continues. He's like, Listen, you can still help a lot more than you've harmed Clegane it's not too late for you and this is basically continuing Ray's message from yesterday reinforcing the positive message that Ray had for Sandor that you you can it's not too late to come back he says to him and then Beric here says it's not too late for you this is really being hammered into Sandor's psyche as people around him even people who know of his horrible past continue to see his worth and his potential and the good that's inside of him. Um, you know, it's gotta be starting to hit Sandor as we can see as from his reaction here, he, you know, in his mind, it's, he's saying like, people keep telling me this, you know, and, uh, he's a reluctant hero before he actually agrees to, to ride North with them. You know, he's, uh, it's a, it's a typical archetypal role. Like, Before at the beginning of star wars when obi-wan is telling luke to embrace his destiny and and stuff luke is like i don't know i you know uncle owen needs my help at the moisture farm this summer and you know what i mean reluctant to step into the footsteps of a hero um same as with sandor here so it's just cool seeing him displaying the fingerprints of these archetypal roles because it signals something big coming for him
3: definitely which
2: is awesome and exciting cool Anything else you want to add?
3: No, I think that's all I had
2: for that all right. scene. So what's your number three?
3: Ooh. It's Brienne and Jamie.
2: Ooh. Briamy. <laughs> <laughs> amy <Bri-Amy>, Nice.
3: <laughs> bre Amy. Oh man. So this is actually specifically when they're in the tent. Okay. I did like to note, I had my little note here, that I love when the Lannister army approaches Brienne. She's like, I am Brienne of Tarth. Yep. You know, let Jamie Lannister know that I'm here. Tell him I have his sword.
2: Yeah, that was interesting, right? I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, she could try to give it back to him. And, uh,
3: I think she was going to try to give it back. Yeah, because it was, she fulfilled her purpose. So that's her way of telling him, I found Sansa
2: right back
3: with your sword
2: yeah that's pretty interesting he's like oh Mm -hmm. i gotta hear what she has to say for sure yeah so
0: (laughs) Uh,
3: there
2: i like also how time basically stops for brianne when she sees jamie on the white horse in the distance mm -hmm. and just everything like slows down shining armor yeah like the world ceases to exist everything outside of her tunnel vision for jamie
3: it's so cliche that jamie rides a white horse
2: (laughs) yeah but it's (laughs) awesome it's so
3: funny i love it
2: george washington rode a white horse famously at least you know sometimes oh really yeah
3: technically there's no such thing as a white horse really yes they are all born black well technically <laughs> whoa yeah and then they go kind of dapply gray and then they go lighter and lighter and lighter and Ooh. then
2: like uh they like, do the, turn
3: white, like the jerk like the jerk
2: yeah i was born a poor back boy with no rhythm
3: I have not seen that in so long. Like, I can't maybe like middle school.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. been a
3: long time. Yeah, I So Jamie like looks at her. He's like, I can't believe you found Sansa. So clearly we know that he put two and two together.
2: Right. He's like, I just assumed she was dead.
3: <laughs> Why would you assume that? Well, girls like her don't live very long. Yeah. usually.
2: <laughs> it's so true.
3: So they kind of, you know, keep going. And Jamie's like, what are you doing here? She's like, I'm here for the (laughs) blackfish. Jamie's like, have you ever met the blackfish before? (laughs) (laughs) Like you're not gonna get him to consent to giving up his ancestral home to peacefully march his army North to help his niece.
2: Not happening.
3: It's you're not happening. Um, So they kind of go back and forth about the politics and Jamie kind of shudders and he's like, we shouldn't argue about politics. Yeah. That was kind of funny. It was so funny. (laughs) It's like opposing sides just going around in circles because neither of which want to hear the other side or take it in. the,
2: The dynamics of all the circumstances that they laid out there were crazy.
3: Yeah. So Brianne basically, Kind of like throws Jamie into a hard situation here. Cause she's like, he's like, I'm a Lannister. Please don't ask me to betray my own house. And if th- that reminded me back because that's what the Mad King wanted oh, Jamie my God, to do. You're so
2: right. That's, that's he nuts. wanted to,
3: the Mad King wanted Jamie to kill Tywin. Right.
2: Come and back to me with Tywin's head.
3: Yeah. And so J- to Jamie's point, when he was talking to Tywin, he, He's like, I took on this role as the Kingslayer to save your life.
2: Yeah, and he he said this to um to Brienne in the bathtub scene at Harrenhal too. He was like, yes, asked mm-hmm. to come back with my father's head, but what did he expect? You know, like one law, you know, one oath to the king, one to you know your house, like.
3: So we know that Jamie's going to choose his house every time.
2: Yeah. And if anybody was going to understand like why this is an issue for him, it's Brienne, since he's already explained how this type of decision has been thrust upon him before.
3: And I think Brienne does a really good job of trying to like come up with a solution to the situation, but she's not taking into account how stubborn the blackfish is like, he's not just going to walk away.
2: It's not even really necessarily that. I think that he may have walked away. He may have actually done it, I think, but the, the crux of the situation is that he doesn't believe that Jamie has honor. And so, whereas it it comes down to, he doesn't
3: trust, he doesn't trust that. They will go peacefully.
2: Right. Yeah, that they'll allow it. So Brienne's like, you know, they're he's like, listen, she's like, Allow me to enter River Run under a, a white flag. Um, give me the let me try to persuade the blackfish to to give up the castle. And Jamie's like, Why would he do that? Right. Because you'll allow him to lead the Tully forces safely north without attacking. Um, and he's like, oh, actually that's not like a terrible idea, but it's not gonna work because he's super stubborn stubborn, right? <laughs>
3: He's even more stubborn than you.
2: Right. So th- she's like, it comes down to this. I need your word, like, that you will grant us safe passage north. And that's what it comes down to for Brienne, is she's taking Jamie's word, which is why it seems plausible. But that's exactly why it won't work with the blackfish, because mm-hmm. as we know from last episode with his little showdown with Jamie, he sees him as a man without honor, the way that, yeah, you know, mo- everybody a lot of people
3: I shouldn't say everybody, but right. the majority of Westeros.
2: Yeah, a man does not honor, know the truth. The Kingslayer. So naturally, um, as, as viewers, we know that it's uh, going to be an, an effort in vain. As mm-hmm. this will be the difference. Jamie's word was enough for Bran to think there's a shot here without any other proof or you know, like a, a guarantees or anything like that. And Jamie's word is just not enough for the Blackfish. So, sadly. S-
3: yeah, and then we get Brienne, she undoes oath, her belt that is holding Oathkeeper and she hands it over to Jamie. Yeah. And Jamie's like
2: She tries to.
3: <laughs> well, cuz what he said was use it to defend Ned Stark's daughter.
2: Mm. And get her
3: safe, essentially.
2: Be- actually, before he gave her the charge to protect Sansa, he did say it's yours. That's the first thing he said. But I could easily understand her thinking that this might be a decision he he would possibly want to reconsider.
3: <laughs> so I think being that there's like, what, a handful under a dozen Valerian Steel Swords out there, mm. she presumably thought, okay, I've gotten Sansa safe and the next time I see, J- or, you know, cross paths with Jamie, I'm going to give him his sword back.
2: Maybe. Because yeah. it was
3: never, like, why would... Uh, Why would the, you know, the Lord of the Lannisters, because, I mean, Tywin's dead, not want this Valyrian steel sword in his family?
2: Great question to ask, and this is a very intense moment, but also this, that question exactly may foreshadow the reason and the motivation for Heartsbane being given away because the Lord, the proper owner, is unable to effectively wield it to its full potential.
3: Ooh, I like that. So,
2: we get one episode where Heart's Bane is introduced, we get another episode where where the Hound is brought back and then we get a third episode right in sequence with a Valyrian steel sword being given away by someone who's incapable of properly wielding it.
3: So, very nice catch that's so,
2: awesome so it's possible that and it's another hound episode right where he's damn yeah so, <laughs> so <laughs> it's possibly hinting that heartsbane could be given away and the attempted return of oath could also foreshadow the the actual return of heartsbane after its bearer finishes the mission with that um i mean we don't know for all we know, Sam won't want to like really give away the sword. Like <laughs> Maybe he just gives it to, to Sandor for the mission, or maybe he does give it away entirely, but Sandor dies.
3: Or maybe at first it's just for the mission, just like it was in this situation. So it's, it was presumably given for the mission, but then the mission is completed. And maybe whoever's wielding spain goes back to Sam to give it back and Sam thinks like damn
2: they've earned it, it now should
3: just, it should just stay with you because you're the warrior and I'm not yeah. and I don't have well I know he has little Sam I know he has Gilly Sam but he doesn't have like a biological heir to pass it down to
2: right not
3: it yet at just, least <laughs> not not yet but um, so maybe he does just like hand it over because maybe. it It's so crucial that this person keep it.
2: And then it's also possible that, for instance, he he does give it away, but then the person is killed in combat, like delivering the final blow or something. And then it's just the sword that gets returned. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? That would be kind of cool. I think that's
3: probably pretty plausible. Who knows? Yeah. So. I love Jamie here. I really love their relationship.
2: Yeah, me too. Neither of them want to fight each other. They don't want to fight no. about politics. They really care about each other. It's it's so sad.
3: Because it's always gonna be your sword.
2: Yeah. Like yeah.
3: you 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 completed a really almost impossible mission. You're a fantastic warrior. You deserve you're you're um honorable. It's called Oath Keeper for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, like, and I have one hand what am I going to do with a Valyrian steel sword? Effectively
2: yeah, a left hand <laughs> or a right-handed swordsman
3: for the lefties. <laughs> Cause I would wield the sword with my left hand. Hot pie. Hot pie. <laughs> so she ties it back onto her belt. And I love that moment of like, wow, now the Tarth house has Valyrian steel. Yeah. And they're not like a terribly big house. <laughs> So yeah. That's kind of cool, and it belongs. It's the first Valyrian steel sword in this series, not in the history, but in this series carried by a woman officially as ownership of it. Bring, okay, so not in the history of oh, but in the this world, series, gotcha, but in gotcha. the series, like what we've wa- watched visually, because I know like Rainey's
2: had dark sister. She right? She had
3: dark, dark yep. sister. so there have in the past been women to wield. Valyrian steel. And we're gonna get two. Cause then Arya gets the dagger, the cat's yeah. paw dagger.
2: Oh man. So cool. So
3: I thought that was kind of cool because we had that theme a couple episodes back of women taking over Westeros.
2: Yeah. Possessing Valyrian steel is certainly symbolic of that.
3: <laughs> and she's like the best woman warrior we have on the show. So it's really cool.
2: Yeah. And considering she's um descended from Sir Duncan the Tall um she's in the book she's sir duncan is not necessarily very smart (laughs) they call him dunk the lunk or say uh sir you know thick as a castle wall they describe (laughs) me so brienne in the books is sort of similar she's not necessarily like the sharpest tool in the shed she's loyal and stubborn and dedicated to a fault but she's not necessarily like a mathematician you know or a strategician so it's interesting here that she comes up with such a lucid strategy to potentially get the tully army north And solve Jamie's problem simultaneously and just like a sort of Tyrion level stroke of strategic brilliance by Brienne. That's kinda pretty kind of surprising. But on Show Brienne is pretty smart, so it's not too surprising for Show Brienne.
3: Yeah. And then Brienne gets a little serious here and she says one last thing, Sir Jamie. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, Yes, Lady Brienne she goes, should I fail to pers- persuade the Blackfish to surrender? And if you attack the castle, Honor compels me to fight for Sansa's kin.
2: Uh, he's like, of course it does.
3: To fight you.
2: And there's like a dramatic pause where it's looking at Jamie and he sort of reflexively blinks. And he takes a big gulp. I think it, it like makes him of sad. In. It makes him sad, but it also, I think yeah it really makes him really sad he doesn't want you know it's it's like romeo and juliet kind of yeah they don't want to
3: fight each other are you kidding me
2: i wouldn't necessarily say they're star-crossed lovers (laughs) to the full extent although Brienne loves him certainly and i think you know there may be some element of that for jamie as well but they're on two opposite sides of a war basically forced to fight each other because of you know what sides they're on and um it it's it makes him really sad, but at the same time, I think it also terrifies him because <laughs> it's like he's well, yeah. like, oh god, if it comes to you fighting me, I'll, I'll lose. I'm gonna get <laughs> killed. Yeah.
3: And so he goes, let's hope it doesn't come to that. And yeah. that was such a weighted response because oh,
2: so ominous.
3: He agrees because he's they're on opposite side. They're both honorable people. Yep. You know, to and Jamie. To an extent, you know, he has pushed little kids out windows and threatened to <laughs> catapult babies into walls. But, you know,
2: the things for the for most love. part,
3: he tries to do the right thing.
2: Right. It's and, always for love. Whatever whatever horrible thing he's doing.
3: Yeah. But I think you also hit on a point that weights this line even more is <laughs> if it comes to that, I'm going to fucking die. Because yeah, totally. She has my Valerian steel sword. She's a, she's a badass just... and I have one hand.
2: Right. And so. they're, they're just staring into each other's eyes in this mm. moment, just hoping that it doesn't come to that. And um, Brienne, the camera cuts to Brienne, like looking at Brienne from oh, Jamie's face. Her perspective.
3: little lip quivers. Yeah, like her right lip before dramatically she walks away. quivers
2: and then she like hurriedly rushes out so Jamie doesn't see her cry, basically. <laughs> Super intense so moment. So good. Neither of them want to fight each other. No. Oh, it just sucks.
3: So this is the last time they've seen each other, right? Up no. to current, up- no. Oh,
2: because of the farewell wave later in this episode. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. This this, this episode is, is the last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: I forgot that that was down the road here.
2: Really interesting stuff. Um, after this, basically with Jan- Brandon, Jamie, in the books, some particularly um, hardcore stuff, mystery. Oh man. It's, yeah, it's wild.
0: Oh my <laughs> That's where we're left
2: off. <laughs> oh, so where are we?
3: So, okay. So that was my number three. All right. What is your number three?
2: My number three is Bron and pod and street fighting.
3: Yay. <laughs>
2: oh man. What a great reunion.
0: Totally. Right.
2: I forgot how much fun it was having Bron in the presence of Podrick Payne. So we're in the, in the encampment at river run outside at the siege and all of a sudden pod gets sneak attacked by someone who's choking the shit and we're out like, of him. Oh my
3: God, who is this? <laughs> and,
2: then, and then it's Bron and he like wrenches him over and we see it reveals his face and uh, he launches him forward a bit and lets him go and they're talking and he's like getting a bit old to be a squire, aren't we? and uh, slaps him on the shoulder and he's laughing and podrick is choking and
3: i think they're happy to see each other
2: yeah bron is like super excited to see pod he's like elated and uh yeah pod is he looks up to bron as well obviously so he's he's super excited too but he's also (laughs) getting beat up so he's (laughs) he's like the little brother of the situation you know type thing.
3: he gets like a hit in the face again yeah that's
2: that part's so funny so he's all excited and they're talking and Bron's like, you think that he's like, so Brandon, Jamie are both in there right now. And Podrick's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, you think, you they're, think fucking? they're fucking? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like I'd fuck her. You'd fuck her. Wouldn't you? Podrick's like, I'm her squire. <laughs> Silly it's little like, pod. you showed
3: her your magic cock.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had to. Her it. By now. He's <laughs> like, oh,
3: speaking of cocks, I wanted to mention. When the hound is taking a piss into the river or the pond, yeah. you see his dick.
2: Oh, really? Like, yeah, I didn't look. You see
3: it twice. I That's just funny. happened to notice it this time.
2: So <laughs> I many was like, dicks oh, on show.
3: oh my God. <laughs> that was weird.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So uh, there's another funny line with Bron-, Bron. He's like, he's like, Podrick, fucking pain. I thought you'd be dead by now which was kind of funny you know jamie thought that sansa would be dead <laughs> bron thought pod would be dead
3: it seems to be a theme <laughs> yeah
2: and then uh they're talking about how you know bron's like yeah jamie would fuck would fuck her you'd have to imagine right and we know that bran would fuck jamie i mean look at the way she looks at him right
3: she loves him
2: and his great line he's like the way all w- women look at him is frankly irritating
3: <laughs> i preferred the younger brother <laughs> Yeah,
2: on that account yeah <laughs> Bron, you can always look forward to something fun with Bron. must be such a fun role to play yeah and so and he he molests podrick a little bit there like grabs his dick <laughs> he's like you're the one with the magic cock and like cups it <laughs> and pod's, pod's like oh, oh man yep everyone's always messing with pod it's hilarious and uh podrick's all excited he's like he's he's back with one of his jedi masters basically here and he's like oh he's like you know brianne's training me to fight One hour in the morning, an hour at night, every day. He's super proud of that. Yeah, (laughs) super proud. And Brown's like, oh, and how'd an old cunt like me sneak up on you? And (laughs) he's like, well, you know, that's a different kind of fighting, right? And Brown's like, oh, yeah, well, you want to learn that type of fighting, don't you? And Podrick's like, yeah, 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 actually, totally. So he's like, all right, I'll give you a few tips. First, it's got to start with your footwork. He's like, look down at your feet and uh make sure that they're about a yard apart and he as podrick looks down he just whack slaps him right across the face imp slaps Ugh. the shit out of him like that is that was an authoritative slap too
3: Imp slap. Uh. yeah that that looked like it hurt
2: yeah it looked like it like in podrick is like oh like like stunned by it and uh He's like, lesson number one, assume everyone wants to hit you because they do, Pod. Everyone wants to hit a fucking squire. <laughs> the way he said that it's sort so of reminded funny. me of Rick and Rick and Morty. Lesson number one, Morty, assume everyone wants to hit you because they do, Morty. Everyone wants to hit a fucking squire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, he's like, all right, again, you know, come on, come on, don't sulk, you know, because Pod's, Pod's looking a little bitch made. And he's like, nah, you know, come on, we're we're, we're bros, man. Just lighten up
3: it's cool dude
2: yeah i love their you know their dynamic and it's just so cool seeing them back together again
3: uh older and a younger brother
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah right i think i actually said that a little while ago to pod's like the little brother of the equation he's getting slapped around and so also this this slap here sort of reminded me of jamie's slap to black walder last episode
3: black walder has a black eye in this episode (laughs)
2: oh i've missed that entirely but yeah they both sort of get lured into a slap trap which is hilarious
3: a slap
2: trap. (laughs) slap trap yeah jamie slaps the shit out of blackwalder then bron slaps pod here so both jamie and bron got to slap somebody in the past couple weeks that's kind of cool bron saw jamie slap that guy and he's like i just want to slap somebody now pod perfect guy to slap slap.
3: slap somebody (laughs) <laughs> he slaps jamie too when they're first fighting yeah
2: he pulls his own hand off of him and slaps him with it yeah that's classic maybe that's what gave jamie the idea of slapping somebody with the golden hand
3: that's quite the bitch slap
2: yeah it is black walder got it last episode so that's that wraps up my number three just pod and Braun okay. and those two cool guys cool. chilling together
3: yes old friends reunite
2: yeah so we, we covered your number three right Yes. So what about your number two?
3: My number two is King Tommen's decision.
2: Oh, shit. Which
3: is no more trial by combat, Cersei. You can kiss the mountain goodbye.
2: And this is when she really becomes the cornered animal.
3: Yeah. So Cersei enters and She literally like parts the crowd. Like people just move for her and the mountain. Everyone
2: looks all nervous to see her because they know something's up. Totally. And she is pissed. She's headed right for the throne.
3: She's right to the throne. Her son's up there with Pycelle and Kevin. And it's like, ooh, that's her worst nightmare right there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Totally.
3: So she starts walking up the stairs or walks to the stairs and she looks up at Kevin and was like, how come I wasn't informed that there was going to be an announcement? And I loved this because it echoed Tywin talking to Joffrey right in front of the Iron Throne about, you know, well, why wasn't I informed about Daenerys Targaryen? And he's like, you're being informed right now. Oh, right, right, right. So Kevin kind of plays the same thing. He goes, there is to be a a royal announcement in the throne room at this very moment. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it because him and Tywin are brothers. Yeah, he
2: always looked up to Tywin.
3: So I thought that was a nice little flashback of a power grab to not inform somebody that something was going on in the throne room.
2: Yeah, good catch. Great callback.
3: So she basically is just like, I'm done with this shit. And she starts walking past him. He's like, where are you going? Like, your place is in the gallery. In
2: the peanut gallery.
3: Biatch.
2: Biatch. Biatch. Have
3: a good summer, Biatch. Yeah, with the ladies of the court. Because technically.
2: She's nobody. She's. (laughs) Not nobody, but.
3: I mean, she's the queen regent. She's the dowager queen.
2: She's just a queen mother at this point.
3: She's the queen mother, like, but she's not the queen. And she doesn't really have a part to play up in yeah. these situations.
2: She doesn't have a role on the dais.
3: And Tommen's like looking over at his mom, like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, he's fuck. too scared.
2: He's trying to hide from her by talking to Picel.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's not looking at her. He's
2: so nervous.
3: He's like, is she gone? Picel? tell me when she's gone so I can sit down. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, exactly.
3: Cer- Cersei is like, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to go stand up with the other hens in the hen house. And we get Tommen's speech. And again, we hear that the the crown and the faith are the two pillars.
2: Yeah, you sound like a freaking broken, 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 broken record, dude.
3: Totally. Right? So Gross. You know, it basically, if you break the law, you're going to be punished. And we have determined, me and the holiness, that Loras Tyrell and Cersei are going to be basically put in front of seven scepters like it was in the early days of the faith, which oh, I thought
2: was man.
3: really, really cryptic and nerve-wracking. Because if if the faith militant came out of the old ways of the church, I can't imagine what these trials are going to look like. But they're very intense and very one-sided. It's not really a trial. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more totally. like a, like, we're just going to manipulate. Mob. Yeah. We're just going to manipulate the situation. So, and everyone's like, okay, whatever. Like, that's cool. We knew that they had to go on trial anyways. So, right. the first really- day of the Festival of the Mother. <laughs> the Festival of the Mother.
2: And then you can tell he's getting nervous.
3: Yeah. And he's like <laughs> lurching in his chair, like, like, a little, like Grabbing the uh, armrests, and furthermore, mm. after much prayer and reflection. So there you go, Duncan. He was praying on it.
2: Well, he was praying on on everything. I don't know if I'm. I'm not sure now if he was praying on this specifically at that point because we don't know how much time has passed since the the courtyard incident with Cersei on the mountain. True. So it's possible True. that her utilizing the mountain there, those surviving sparrows may have flew back to the high Sparrow and been like, Oh my God, she's got this monster beast. She's going to win the trial by combat. And he's like, Oh, well maybe we can tell Tommen to outlaw it. (laughs) So we'll we'll
3: passively, we'll passively put it in his ear.
2: Yeah. Right. So her unleashing the mountain earlier and choosing violence,
3: she showed her cards.
2: Yeah. It may have caused the trial by combat to be eliminated.
3: Mm, Love it. So again, she's fucking her own shit up. Yeah. As per usual.
2: She was too scared to go to the sept again and uh, may have cost her quite a bit.
3: Yeah. So furthermore, um, we are doing without trial by combat because it's a brutal way to that, you know, was basically a way for people to get out of sticky situations. So we're done with it.
2: Yeah, people with money hiring the best fighters or whatever and uh, screwing their way out of corruption.
3: Yes. So they're just going to stand trial. It is what it is. You're not going to get to use that necromancer beast of yours.
2: And she is like, oh, my God. Like, her lips start to part as it's,
3: like, sinking in and her eyes are going wide. And she's like, what is happening? What is happening? So seven blessings to all everybody. I'm getting the hell out of here before my <laughs> my mom can come and find me before and before she sends me. a mountain
2: towards me. <laughs> yeah.
3: So he scurries off. I found it interesting that he went through the crowd.
2: Yeah, with his with his King's guard around him and
3: they usually go off to the side.
2: Yeah, true. He's just like, I gotta just get, <laughs> get out of yeah. here. Yeah.
3: I mean he had protectors and I mean he's not I think the people there are you know, kind of yeah. Tom
2: the King's guard all around him. And she like, ma- she moves to like sort of cut him off at the pass. But she's too late. She watches him walk out. And yeah. And he won't even look at her.
3: Nope. Can't even look at her. He like kind of glances up at her and God, I just kind of cut his hair so bad. Like get it out <laughs> of, out of the crown. Like it's like all uneven and the crowns, like squishing it down. It His hair drives me crazy. That's hilarious. I just want to like buzz it. Just buzz it.
2: Just buzz that shit.
3: So, Q Kyburn.
2: Yes, creepy Kyburn. Woo!
3: Yes, yes. Your grace. So, we hear that, that he's been researching about. something. Yes. So, she's like, and? Was it just a rumor? Or something more? Because so oh, much more.
2: Oh my God, so creepy. And
3: I didn't even... Pick this up when I first watched it. That he found the wildfire.
2: Yeah, I don't think many people did. I think because it's kind of out of left field. You know, the last time we've heard about this these wildfire caches was like season two or something like that. When Jamie and Bran are in the bathhouse, it must have been season three because because Joffrey was still alive. So I'd say mid-season three, we get the bathhouse scene. It's it's been a good you know three entire seasons since this stuff has been referenced.
3: Yeah. Um, Jamie says something too, that cues us, um, that the septa Balor is going to blow up and trying to find it. It's when he's talking to Edmure and he's, oh, right, he's saying that, that Catelyn reminds him of Cersei because of how much they love their children. And he says, I'm trying to find the line. um, Because he says, like, Catelyn would do this, or or one would do this, and the other would burn the city to ash.
2: Right. One would start a war. Ned started a war. Cersei burned cities to ash. Yes. Uh, Catelyn freeing their worst enemies. And then he says, the things we do for love, alluding to himself, pushing Bran out of the window. That's my number uh, one. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Yeah, I
3: don't want to go too far, but I just thought that... We we get this little quote here and then Jamie mentions that, you know, she's willing to basically burn the entire city down for her children. And
0: yeah, she doesn't to. burn the
3: city down, but she sure close. herself. <laughs> and the next time Jamie comes back to King's Landing, the first thing he sees is the Sept of Baylor has been blown up.
2: Yeah,
0: it's ashes true.
3: and smoke is coming out of it.
2: And he um also, cause he, he probably mentions burning cities to ash because that's one thing that he's heard her say before. I think she's like, I would burn cities
3: to the ground before, you know, I love you know that before, yeah,
2: something like that. I don't remember the exact context in which Jamie heard it, but.
3: So he knows instantly when he sees that Septa Baylor blown up that Cersei's involved.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, that was Cersei.
3: Yeah. So. For sure. <laughs> That was all the notes I had for my number two. Do you have anything else you want to add?
2: Um, not really just that Jamie aside from killing the pyromancer before stabbing the mad King in the back probably should have sent people out to try to get rid of all those other stashes of wildfire.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he did, you know, whatever, but either way he couldn't, he couldn't like send too many people out because it's one of the King's secrets and they're sworn to protect the King's secrets. Right
0: definitely
2: so it would have had to have been like an, an effort led by the kingsguard and maybe they never just weren't weren't able to recover all of them or something
3: definitely but uh
2: but either way kyburn gets it handled Finds some caches
3: the little birds yeah tweet,
2: tweet. so that's super hardcore the way that he's like oh more much more you know it reminded me of the way that That he left it that ominous way when we're they were talking about the mountain being resurrected or or him working on a yeah will it will it weaken him? Oh no, (laughs) definitely. It'll make him
3: invincible because he's dead and I'm controlling him somehow, maybe with an imp's head.
2: Yep. (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for that scene as well.
3: Cool. So what's your number two?
2: My number two was. Sandor, oh, that's right. a reluctant hero. So we should want to move on to my number one.
3: Yeah, let's see your number one.
2: All right, my number one is the things we do for love, like we were just okay. talking about. Actually, so it's just. Hey, same... this is the
3: first episode in a few that we haven't had the same number one.
2: Oh, nice. What's your number one? Nice. I guess we'll find out in in a little bit. Yeah.
3: <laughs> my number one is a secret for now.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're at the siege at River Run again. And Jamie rides up and approaches a tent and goes in and Edmure is in there tied to a pole.
3: At least he's under a tent, unlike Jamie. Yeah, he's out like outside.
2: So Jamie is apologizing for how the Freys have been treating him and everything like that and assures him that he'll be, you know, given treatment deserving of his position from now on, fed properly, clothed, etc and he's like you have my word. And Edmure again just like the blackfish is like ha,
3: word of your a word. Yeah.
2: He's like you know my uncle, the blackfish is never going to surrender, right? Like whatever game you're playing it's not going to work. And uh Jamie's like yeah. The blackfish is an old man. A good death is all he can hope for, but you, Edmure. You have a child now, I've heard, a son you sired on your wedding night and potent man yeah yeah. and i'm like ooh, subtle threat he's talking about edmure's kid and edmure kind of perks up
3: you know when people bring up other people's children that it's about to go down yeah
2: leverage (laughs) yeah so edmure perks up and he's like like what the fuck you know Basically, he's like, yeah, son, I've never met, born of a wife I haven't seen since our first night together. Matt, that, what a horrible scenario. I wonder what his wife's opinion on the whole, like, red wedding thing was.
3: She probably had no idea it was going to happen.
2: Yeah, probably. It sucks. I don't think sucks so. Sucks for both of them, because they seemed pretty happy at the reception, you know?
3: Yeah, they were.
2: Yeah. So... Jamie first employs the carrot. You know, he reaches out a hand with a carrot and he's like, he's like, you should be with them both, your wife and your son. I can arrange that. You you realize comfortable rooms for you back at Casterly Rock. You know, your, your son can be brought up nicely and educated and trained and have all the luxuries that he could possibly want a keep of his own when he comes of age and uh, Ed Muir does, changes the subject entirely and goes on an epic monologue rant against Jamie here. He's mm-hmm. like, do you imagine yourself to be a decent person? Is that it? After your family has destroyed my family, you've stolen our lands and you've kept me locked up indefinitely. And Jamie, he he has a pretty diplomatic response, actually um he first of all he didn't have anything to do with a red wedding or any of that really so most of it at least so he's like i'll remind you that our houses are at war you know i'm sorry if this conflict has inconvenienced you (laughs) (laughs) but rebelling against the crown does have consequences Um, which I thought was hilarious, but so ironic as Edmure points out coming from the guy who rebelled against the crown himself, shoving his sword through the king's back, literally zing. And Jamie starts to uh, like lay down the law a little bit. He's like, did I give you the impression that this was a negotiation? It's not. Okay. And he starts to squeeze him a little bit or at least to, to at least begins to, but Edmure cuts him off again and continues to to rant him rant about him, and he's like, call, first. He calls him evil, and Jamie's like, I'll leave the good, the judgment to the gods. Like you said, he, like he's misunderstood. Like there has been ul- ulterior motives for killing the king, for instance, that Edmure's unaware of. So the criticism doesn't necessarily bother him too much because he knows the truth. Although it does bother him, like the way that he's perceived by the public, he hates it. Um,
3: yeah, he definitely hates it. Yeah.
2: So Edmure's like, well, that's convenient, Le- leaving the judgment to the gods. Like, <laughs> you just do whatever you want and <laughs> let the gods figure it out later, you asshole. And then he starts to, <laughs> uh, like, go on about how he- he's uh, he's jealous. He's like, you're a fine looking fellow, aren't you? Golden armor, your square jaw. And he starts buttering up before totally attacking him. And he's like, how- but how do you live with yourself?
3: I loved that.
2: Yeah, everybody has to believe that at some level that they're a decent person in order to just, to just to sleep at night. How do you tell yourself that you're decent after everything that you've done?
3: Maybe he doesn't sleep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jamie never sleeps. He's Batman. No, he's Robin. So yeah, he probably does not sleep much at all. There you um, go. But <laughs> but as even though this is probably bothering Jamie, like hearing, hearing these hurtful things, he manages to keep his cool and stay in control. And he brings up, he starts moving in for the kill by bringing up Catelyn and how he was a prisoner of hers. And, he kind of brings up how she hit him on the head with a rock, if he remembers correctly. Yes. <laughs> and Edmir <laughs>, laughs at that. He's like, you know, she should have killed you. That's what She, like, she should, should have, have killed done. you with that rock. Yeah. And Jamie's like, you know, maybe she should have, but she didn't. And even though she hated me just as much as you do, uh, she showed restraint. And he's like, you know what? Even through everything, like I didn't hate her. I actually admired her more than Ned or rob or any of those people and edmure's starting to get pissed off as he's like he's like you think i care your opinions
3: yeah nobody cares
2: right like what the hell and, and um jamie goes on he's like, he made he a funny point first he's like he was like well, well you're my prisoner so it doesn't really matter if you care or not you're gonna hear it <laughs> but this is important the love that she had for her kids it reminded me of circe it was amazing to me i was in awe of it and Edmure's is like, Oh, like you're fucking crazy. This is Catlin
3: like, reminds you of, of Cersei. Cersei. Like you're nuts, but it's kind of over what I, I think I had mentioned way, way, way far back is they both have this fierce love for their kids. So yeah, this totally. is kind of echoed here.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's totally what Jamie's saying. He's like, listen, your sister was, and Edmure like cuts him off. He's like, don't talk about Catlin. He's super triggered at the, <laughs> he starts squirming in his restraints on the pole and and jamie's like she was strong you know like she catlin loved her children i i you know i i suppose all mothers do but cersei and catlin there is something special about it a fierceness that's uncommon among mothers something that really stood out that they would do anything to protect their kids totally and he, he this is where he gets into the lists things that people would do to protect their babies start a war he says which is like what Ned did to protect his sister to try to save Liana. So that, that was like similar to what's going on now, how, um, cat and Rob launched a war to try to save Ned this time around. He says, burning cities to ash, which is something that Cersei had said in his presence previously, freeing their worst enemies, which is what Catelyn did for him, for the hope that he would follow through on his word and reunite her with Sansa and Arya. She freed her worst enemy, somebody responsible for you know stabbing Ned in the street and everything like that. Yeah. Powerful message, you know. And then he says the things we do for love. But and he's talking about all these things: freeing your worst enemies burning cities to ash, starting wars but in that moment he he's also to mention
3: pushing a young boy out a window well
2: i think that's what he's doing here when he says the things we do for love he's eluding, he's remembering that yeah he's alluding to what he did himself he's not fully disclosing it to Edmir, but he's remembering it and sort of including it in his list by mentioning it in code by saying what he'd said at that moment so i thought that was pretty just powerful you know alluding to what he did but it in that same sentence encompassing all of these other wild actions justified by love, you know, evil, evil things, wars and killings and letting criminals go motivated by the purest of, of motivations, love, which is crazy. You know, it's just wild committing atrocities for love. And, uh, it's, it's exactly, it's foreshadowing what he's about to do, which is threaten to commit an atrocity for love, so he can get back to his sister, basically.
3: He's gonna do anything.
2: Yeah. Anything. And just talking about like doing wild stuff for love, it reminded me of Catelyn also grabbed that Valyrian steel blade, the cat's paw blade in season one when the assassin tried to kill Bran. Oh, yeah. Another powerful thing for love.
3: There's crazy stories about like women lifting cars, cars. off their children.
2: Yeah, just fueled by adrenaline and stuff. Totally. Mm hmm. So, Edmure is like, what, this, what is this bullshit? Like, we didn't come here to talk about our sisters. And Jamie's like, ah, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> that's exactly why I came here. And he just outright admits it. Like, this, this lets Edmure know and just how serious Jamie is. He's like, I love Cersei. And just the fact that he's admitting to incest, that, that in itself is so serious that, you know, whatever he says after that, you better believe it. Like, you better take it seriously.
3: Yeah. He's ad- admitting the rumor to Edmure here because everyone speculates. Right. Everyone assumes, but now it's made truth.
2: Right. So, something with serious weight like that, you better listen, pay attention to what he says next. You know,
3: I'm going to catapult your baby yeah. <laughs> into yeah. a wall.
2: Yeah. He's like, I love Cersei. You can laugh <laughs> at that if you want. You can sneer. It doesn't matter. She loves me. She needs me. And I'm going to get back to her no matter what it takes. I have to take River Run to do that. So if I have to kill every single one of the Tully's that are still alive to make that happen, I'm, I'm going to do it. it. I'll send for your son, your little baby boy, and I'll launch him with a catapult into the oh into the castle. Oh, and so Edmure is just like, like squirming He's so here. He's pissed. so mad. Yeah. Jamie's like, because in the end, none of you matter. All that matters to me is Cersei and I'll slaughter every single one of you to get back to her. If that's what I have to do, I'll do it. And uh, the whole time that this monologue, I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is so Tywin. This is Mm -hmm. like, I'll slaughter every one of you for my family. That's exactly like, this is the story of the reigns of Castamere basically where Tywin erased two entire families, the reigns and the (laughs) Tarbeks. To maintain his family's position, yeah, and that's basically what what Jamie's talking about here—wiping out every Tully.
3: They also end up wiping out the Tyrells too.
2: Ah, yes, yes, they do.
3: So that's three great houses that the Lannisters have.
2: Yeah, it's definitely ruined. a trend, eliminating house after house, and they they stole Casterly Rock from the Casterleys to start with too. That's <laughs> never heard from them again. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So yeah that's pretty much wraps up my number one, I believe is that whole uh, speech there about threatening to do all these horrible things for love. And it just struck me how atrocities can be committed in the name of something so beautiful as love. It's horrible.
3: I know it is. It's a horrible thought,
2: but it's also really powerful. Truly. Yeah. Pretty intense. So what's your number one reveal the secret.
3: My number one is the wave p
2: Oh!
3: I had to do this this last um, scene in Bravos because if I'm not mistaken, we don't go back there again.
2: Yeah, this is it.
3: This is it for Bravos up to current season seven, episode seven. Yep. So I had to kiss Bravos a farewell because I liked Bravos. I liked Arya's story here. So I'm just going to start at the beginning. Perfect. All of Bravos is kind of, or this part of Bravos is my number one. So Aria is asleep. She's probably been sleeping for days because she's on milk of the poppy. Yeah,
2: who knows, right?
3: <laughs> and Lady Crane, she seems like such a nice lady. She's taking care of her. Mm-hmm. She's going to get more milk of the poppy. I think that's what she's going to grab up at, on that stool. Uh Maybe. And she hears a noise and she turns around and there's this creepy looking dude.
2: Even before she turns around, she steps up onto the stool and in the background, blurred out. You see the the guy standing there. It's so creepy.
3: I remember that. I didn't catch that this time. I must have been taking a note or something. Uh, I do remember that, though.
2: So creepy.
3: Mm, Really creepy. And she's kind of all like the guy's kind of like standing funny. (laughs) yeah (laughs) like out of a horror movie you know what i (laughs) mean like head kind of tilted arms like draped down just standing there like like, yeah you
2: just know something's off (laughs) yeah like uh like at the in the sixth sense at the beginning of the movie when he walks into the room and the guy's just standing there in like his underwear or whatever
3: yeah exactly yeah so there's a big thud and aria jumps out she's like lady crane and you see a figure a shadow a shadow disappear and aria's like fuck i gotta get out of (laughs) here
2: yeah she gets up so fast
3: so she starts getting out of bed and finds lady crane who has had her throat slit she's in rough shape
2: is she like impaled on that 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 stool
3: No, I think I think he slit her or the wave slit her throat and she fell back onto the stool.
2: Okay, I wasn't sure. That's what
3: it looked like to me. I didn't see anything sticking out of her, but I could be wrong. I know her throat was slit, though. You can see that.
2: Mm. And the wave's like, if you had done your she just appears again out of nowhere. She's like, if you had done your job, she would have died painlessly. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The MO of the House of Black and White. It seems like everybody is kind of supposed to die painlessly.
3: And you're the one like doing it wrong.
2: Yeah. I feel like the waif is rogue. She's like not operating the way that faceless men are supposed to.
3: And this is why I don't think and Hagar is upset at the outcome at the end of this.
2: Yeah, it could be a, a piece of it for sure.
3: He told her to not let Arya suffer. She stabs her in the gut like five times, twists the knife, slices her open. Yeah. That's pretty painful. That's a very painful way to die. It's very slow. And
2: then just because Arya fucked up and didn't poison her doesn't mean that the waif has to kill her painfully. Like, she could have also painlessly killed her.
3: She could have just poisoned her. Why don't you just take on the role? She's probably going to go back to the the theater again like why don't you just poison her rum because she was still drinking it yeah so like she's definitely gone rogue so <laughs> the waif continues she's like the many-faced god was promised a name he must always receive what is his you can't change that i can't change that no Nobody one can. can and now he was promised another name yeah And Arya's like I'm out. (laughs) I'm going to jump off a freaking two-story building, land on my feet with stab wounds, and take off running. Yeah. Go, girl.
2: That little monologue that the wave had, I thought was interesting, because she's like, she's, you know, the first person, the third person.
3: Her grammar's all sorts of fucked up. Right.
2: So this is, again, another sign that she's rogue, because the faceless men are total grammar Nazis. But she's like, the many-faced god always receives what's his. You can't change it. I can't change it. So those are both first, like, you know, like referring to people as having identities, basically. (laughs) Like she refers to herself as I instead of as a girl or as no one. You can't change it. I can't change that the many face needs what he wants. No one can. I'm like, oh, so no one can change it. If you were no one, actually, you'd be able to change it then and Ooh, boom. you know so the fact that she refers to herself as i and then as like says i can't do something but no one can that tells me she's not no one because if she was no one there then she go. would be able to right? um and then it also tells me that jockin at the end of the episode who is no one for sure he can change what the many-faced god re- receives mm-hmm. so if if Arya can't change it, and the wave can't change it, but no one can. That's what Jockin does at the end of the episode when he leaves, lets her leave. He changes what the many-faced God has been promised to receive. It seems.
3: Well, I think I think in a way the debt is paid. That so as well.
2: That, that as well.
3: I think I think Arya killing the wave, the many-faced God was appe- appeased. He got the face and probably the right face just based off <laughs> his reaction. I'm not really sure if he is necessarily letting her go or, or rather sending
2: her on her mission.
3: He's letting her go because this is the way the story was meant to play out. This was Arya's path to begin with.
2: Seems like so. It. He I, smiles, you know, like, yeah. like you finally, you know, your training is complete type thing. <laughs> it's pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, so then we get the... um,
2: The chase.
3: (laughs) The chase.
2: And (laughs) that that when she jumps down and starts running, it made me think of like john wick i was like damn aria heals faster than john wick does <laughs> she's like stabbed so many times in the gut
3: i know i thought she was gonna split open and start bleeding right then and there but she doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so she starts running and then she slides under a cart so i'm like okay that well now so she painful. has to be bleeding she like slides down stone steps, steps. on her Ugh. stab wounds and now <laughs> she's still not bleeding that okay so
2: painful oh my god
3: I feel like I love this scene so much, but at the same time, it's so out of context of how the other scenes in the show operate.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's so out there and uh, there's it's cool so things about it. There. Like, obviously we've made the T 1000 reference a million times where this is, um, it's mimicking the chase scene from Terminator Two Terminator. Where it, with the liquid metal T 1000. And it also made me think of the, a famous chase scene from the sort of cult favorite movie Ong Bok* with Tony Ja, where he's running through like a, in like a, a Thai market, kind of like this jumping over stuff and like doing obstacle type uh, escapes and sort of similar to this, this chase scene with, with the way they're running around here.
3: So Arya goes under the cart, the wave jumps over the cart, like a freaking track star. <laughs>
2: Michael Johnson and- coming through. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so she sees, um, she goes into like a sauna, it looks like, or like a steam room, and she's starting to freak out because now there's people around, so she doesn't know, there could be other faceless men after her, she knows yeah, the waif totally. is behind her, but.
2: Who's in front of her?
3: <laughs> she's like looking at all their faces, and they're all kind of looking at her, and she gets out and starts running again, and the waif, we get a picture of the waif behind, as Arya turns the corner, we're like, fuck. So I don't think Arya realized that running off that little ledge was like this huge drop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she just was like running and thought maybe it'd be like a little drop, but it was quite a drop. So she falls onto more stone stairs, and rolls down, just getting at least her fall got caught a little bit by the oranges. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and did you pick up the movie reference that they're making here? No, there's a famous scene in, I don't, I think it's maybe Godfather part two, where the Godfather um, Marlon Brando gets gunned down in the street by an orange stand by by a fruit stand and he falls over and knocks over a big crate of oranges that go rolling all over the the Brooklyn or like the, 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 uh, like the New York street. Crazy. Yeah, I felt like all these oranges rolling down the steps here was an homage to the Godfather.
3: Oh, crazy! Because
2: they really focus in on all those oranges. For a couple. I've shots. never
3: seen the Godfather. Oh
2: man, good movies.
3: I was told to not watch the Godfather when I was younger because Why? I was such a horse, a horse person. Oh
2: yeah, you can watch it now. You'll be all right.
3: I, I can watch it now. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that's honestly the reason, and then I just—it's just—it was small never a movie it. that I would like oh, let's have a relaxing evening and watch The Godfather.
2: Yeah, right, right. Oh, and I, we mentioned um, with that line with Jon Snow where Jon Snow's like, oh, they say keep your enemies close. And, Tywin, or, and uh, not Tywin, Stannis is like, whoever said that didn't have many enemies. And I was like, oh, that's a jab at The Godfather. Apparently, I think Sir Patrick wrote in and told us that keep your enemies close and keep your friends close but your enemies closer originally basically comes from sun Tzu's the art of war (laughs) so if that's the case then i was way off samsonite
1: slippy slappy
3: samsonite i was way off okay so we continue with the epic chase and she falls and she rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls. we're starting to see bloody oranges oh, yeah. and blood on the stairs and people are yelling at her cause she's fucking all their fruit up.
2: Yeah. And the referee is counting one, two, <laughs> three. as she's lying on the canvas on her back.
3: <laughs> she grabs, um, she picks up her hand cause it's on her stomach and yeah. she's bleeding again. And it's like, she should have been bleeding 10 minutes ago, but okay. She's bleeding now.
2: Yep, And the focus changes from being the camera focused on Arya in the foreground to morphing to being focused on the the blurry figure in the background of the Terminator. Wave. Yeah. Standing at the top of the stairway like, I'm coming for you. Arya.
3: <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Because Arya has bloody hands at this point and she's touching things that she doesn't really need to touch. I know she's yes. like... Do you think she's leading the wave to her room?
2: I absolutely do.
0: Okay, I, I do, do too. Because
3: when I first watched it, I was like, stop touching stuff, girl. Yeah, like, you're she's leaving gonna tracks. See the blood, Like, Consul and Gretel. You're leading her straight to you. So, but yeah, but after to. like maybe the second or third time, I was like, mm. maybe she's doing that on purpose so she can lure, lure her where she has her weapon.
2: Yeah, she's leading her into a controlled environment that Arya is familiar with, and has weapons about and stuff like that. It's pretty slick, actually, the way she does that. Because she's, I, and I'm wondering, um, what percentage of her struggling at that last little part where she's, uh, uh stumbling through the halls and, dre- like, leaving the bloody handprints. What percentage of that is actual struggling, and what percentage of it is acting to m- to make the waif feel comfortable and confident?
3: I, I like that you brought that up. Cause I have this in my notes when she first got stabbed and was walking through the, the farmer's market, she was really cold. So she was shivering. Cause mm-hmm. I think the water was really cold. Cause yeah, she comes up. I mean, too, she was like, in shock. So she's shivering shiver. and, um, she's walking. Okay. There. I mean, she's definitely hurt, but this scene, I would think she would be in better shape than the first time because she's just opened up already kind of like healing wounds versus fresh cut wounds that are bleeding a lot. So I, I thought I made a note that, well, I just made a note that she seems extremely um, ill all of a sudden for, she hasn't been bleeding that long from her fall and she's, she seems very weak.
2: Yeah. She may be giving the waif a false sense of confidence.
3: Yeah, I like that you brought that up. That that actually, I agree with that for sure after thinking about it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Before we get to this point, too, though, there's that funny scene where Arya is walking along and she looks up and sees the waif like running along oh, the yeah, top yeah. Of, that, <laughs> <laughs> of that. And she keeps that like wall. moving her
3: legs as she runs, like falls Flies down. Through the like, air, like, she's Whoa. like running through the air.
2: Yeah, like those Olympic jumpers that like run and jump to the long jump. They're always like running in the air still.
3: What a fun scene to uh, act in!
2: Yeah, and I bet the way the actress, I bet she loved it too, because she's getting to do all these cool homages to famous movies, like here T one thousand Terminator two. A couple episodes ago, we brought up how she was emulating Neo in the Matrix with her like yeah. master kung fu speed and stuff like that. So, what a fun role to play as the actress.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a fun role to play, but it's not a fun role in the fact that no one likes you. Right,
2: yeah, it sucks, <laughs> unfortunately, for her. Um, um,
3: kind of like Joffrey. Yeah, yeah. He's such a nice guy and so personable, apparently, out in the real world. And he's just, like, hated.
2: Yeah, he was really <laughs> nice when I met him, for sure. He was super nice.
3: Apparently, he doesn't act anymore.
2: Yeah, I think I heard he may be doing something new um, sometime Soon. Oh, but, uh, I would
3: hope so, because he's very good.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure though. Don't quote me on that. I'm not even to include that into the podcast unless I research it. Um, so
3: what did you think? Do you think Arya purposely cut out the candle?
2: Oh yeah. Totally. No question. I
3: love that.
2: Because she had just been learning how to fight in the darkness, right? Blind.
3: I that's what I thought too, is she's she learned how to fight blind. Mm -hmm. so she's off pure instinct so she doesn't want to see the waif coming at her she knows she'll beat her in the dark
2: yeah and the waif is is used to fighting in the light i mean she may have had this blind training at some point but if it but it probably wasn't recently so it's a it's a gamble but it's it's at least manipulating the environment to throw the waif off potentially a little bit get her off of her game Because the way the
3: camera's angled, sometimes I, I, I go back and forth every once in a while, but I'm pretty sure it's on purpose.
2: The way I saw it is that she stands up straight, holds needle directly in front of her face, like bisecting oh, her face, yeah. holding it right in front of her. And while the blade is right in front of her nose, she closes her eyes and then she whoosh, mm. swings her arm down into like a fighting stance That's and right. simultaneously cuts the, the candle uh, but her eyes are already closed, so she's already mm. in darkness when she cuts the candle, and then it just suddenly immerses the waif in the darkness as well. And she and Arya, you know, has the advantage. Hopefully, <laughs> pretty slick.
3: And I had I had this feeling from the beginning that she was going to survive. She was going to be the one that comes out on top.
2: Yeah, hopefully. I, mean, I just yeah. knew we
3: couldn't lose Arya to the waif. <laughs>
2: yeah, and especially to make sense because it's it was so recently that. Arya was fighting the waif in hand-to-hand combat as a blind girl and mm-hmm. learning the waif's moves and her patterns.
3: And she finally got her. She finally cracked
2: it, you know? So yeah. Arya has like the, potentially the single combat ad, um, advantage against the waif at this point. And adding darkness as an element just, yeah, amplified any, uh, any advantage that Arya would have had theoretically.
3: Definitely. So we cut back over to the house of black and white.
2: <laughs>
0: and Jack and Hagar
3: sees some blood on the floor.
2: Yes, he does.
3: And he gets curious. I love that staircase with the braziers on the staircases. They're like oh, low to the ground so and not cool. like up, standing yeah. up. Love it. Or hanging. It's just such a um it's great juxtaposition from Danny's throne room, which have the braziers up high.
2: Oh, the hanging things.
3: They hang from the ceilings. So yeah, they're like totally. big chandeliers. So these ones are kind of down on the ground and all the candles. Oh my god, I love the house of black and white. The candles encircling the pillars on the f- they're yep. on the floor.
2: Really cool looking.
3: So creepy and gorgeous and mysterious. So he follows the trail of blood down the stairwell and into the hall of faces and slowly looks up. And I remember being a first time viewer watching this and I'm like, please oh don't God. let it be Aria. Please don't let it be Arya!" Yeah. Is it going to be Aria's face on the wall? It has to be the wave. It has to be the wave. <laughs> and it is the wave, but she's bloody still, which yeah. I thought was such a great choice for Arya because they take such time and care to clean the bodies. Like that's a part of the ritual yeah it's
2: kind of hinting like uh, your ways are not for me like'm I'm, I'm done with your ways yeah for the faceless men like
3: <laughs> yes so Joc and Hagar turns around and Ari is there yeah with needle
2: oh yeah drawn
3: you he told her to kill me and he goes yes but here you are and there she is and <laughs> You know finally your 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 training's done you're finally no one and she's like oh no 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 a girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell and I'm going home and I'm like yes yeah. she's
2: going back to finally, Westeros so epic and she, when when she says that too, she's like a girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell and I'm going home and Jack and like she smiles but it's interesting she's like you told her to kill me and Jack and admits it, and Arya walks up and pushes the pushes needle right against his chest, and he walks into it, pushes back against her.
3: Yep, he leans into yeah, it. Yeah,
2: so epic. Kind of like it reminded me of called Drogo in season one.
3: He pushes into the Iraq, into the or, Iraq or, or the Eric. I, yeah, is, is, how do you say it?
2: Uh, I'm not. sure. I, I say Eric, but I've heard Eric, of Iraq uh, as Eric. well yeah it's yeah. I said a
3: rock so that's wrong. <laughs> well, I
2: don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's wrong, maybe it's not. I'm not really sure what the precise pronunciation is. I've heard it, you know, multiple ways. But yeah, it just sort of remindfully like like pushes <laughs> pushes his chest into the blade even further, just showing how badass he is. That was a great homage to, Dro- to Drogo, which I only just now realized. But did anything about this scene stick out to you?
3: Um how so?
2: Well, I noticed Arya doesn't seem to be in pain.
3: I think she drank some of the water.
2: Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I finally, we have a potentially an answer to the mystery of how Arya was healed so quickly. Remember, if you're someone, right, the the water will kill you. So yep. when Arya drinks the water and, and it takes away her blindness, apparently we, we discover that the water can heal you if you're no one. So it seems like <laughs> I don't know what the deal is here.
3: Maybe she really did become no one, even though she calls herself Arya Stark, because she has a a load of faces in her bag up in Winterfell that Sansa finds. So clearly she's been given access to the faces unless she stole them.
2: Yeah, which is also entirely possible. But either way, I thought it was really interesting that Jacken calls her no one. And maybe she has achieved. Like maybe once you've become no one, you can be anyone you want. Basically, that's So that's what
3: I think. Because he does go by Jack and Hagar. Yeah, like he has. To, Sometimes, they, at least they're but, no one, but they do have names. I mean, that they ch- can choose, and maybe that's what she's choosing at this point. Like you've fulfilled your training here. And now a girl is no one, and she's like, "Well, a girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell, and I'm going home." That's her new story. That's her. That's her duty now, yeah. as a faceless man, maybe to go back up to Winterfell. Pretty interesting, and, and kill Walder Frey.
2: <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't say no. I'm not no one. She says I'm Arya Stark. You know, a girl is Arya mm-hmm. Stark. But yeah, it's just interesting. Like if if you're no if you're someone, the water from the well poisons you. If you're no one, it seems to heal you. So,
3: well, I thought it. I they they focus in on the pool, and I if I'm not mistaken, the little bowl is sitting on the ledge, and Jock and Hagar walks by it as he's following the pool of blood
2: there you go. If, if the bowl's there, like, yeah, it, it makes I'm sense. Almost
3: a hundred percent. The bowl is there.
2: Cause we've, we've been wondering, you know, how did Arya survive? And she gets back to Westeros and she doesn't seem to be in like injured or anything like that. And it's been, we've like, I've considered it a weak port weak point in the writing of the series. But if she drank some of this water and it healed her, then that would explain how she's like, like, a, like a, a gut, a gut wound like that can it could take a couple of days to kill you. So if she can deal with the pain from the milk of the poppy, for instance, she could go on this whole Terminator chase thing and do all this crazy stuff and then get to the pool just in time to drink it and cure her of what would otherwise be a mortal wound.
3: Yeah, I think she drank it. I think she's I think she's a part of the faceless man brotherhood now.
2: Damn, that's hardcore. So maybe she is no one.
3: I really do think she's truly no one because I just the more I think about her back in westeros she's not in fear of people chasing her she has a bag of faces with her so they were she either stole them and i think if she stole them she'd be a little bit more cautious about using them so i think they were issued to her it's possible like you're because i mean jock and Hagar was in westeros why can't she go back and be a faceless man there
2: right Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I would like to to know the listener's perspective. Do you guys think that Arya is no one and has assumed the, you know, has chosen to be Arya? Or do you think that she's really Arya and never was no one? And if that's the case, then how did she survive drinking the poison when it made, when it cured her blindness? And did she drink the poison water this time?
3: Do you think Arya is no one? or like completed her no one training and is truly no one or is not and she stole the faces.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wonder. So since the waif says that Arya can't change who the many-faced god will get, she can't change who the face the many-faced god will get, no one can. But then Arya does. She decides not to kill Lady Crane and instead kills the waif. Arya has effectively changed who was given to the many-faced god so maybe taking it into your own hands and making the decision for yourself is what no one does because no one no one decides who the many-faced god is gifted right so maybe the fact that she made up her own mind means that she is no one so either way jockin doesn't seem unhappy with this at all he smiles as she turns to leave and uh, that's the last we see of bravo's
3: Do you think we'll see it in season eight? I do not. I don't think so either. I think this is the last time. I don't
2: think we'll be back in Essos at all next season.
3: Unless, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, at all? You don't think at all?
2: Yeah. I I don't see any reason why we need to be in Essos at all. What do we need to do? Check up up on Dario? Like, that doesn't seem that important.
3: (laughs) It's true. I didn't even think about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, everybody's in Westeros now
3: hmm i think they're gonna all flee the people that survive are gonna flee to these cities because there's water in between them
2: yeah maybe did we see essos at all in season seven
3: um no i don't believe so
2: yeah there you go i think we're done over there <laughs> i think we're done <laughs> damn
3: unless they start fleeing because there's a huge body of water between Essos and Westeros. <laughs> right. Danny might say fuck it, I'm going to fly Drogon back to my pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> and wait out the winter there.
2: <laughs> the 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 Night King can have Westeros.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all I had for my number 1.
2: All right, so let's move on to notes.
3: Notes. We're back at the play.
2: <laughs> we are. Lady Crane with a her new monologue
3: her new anger monologue which is super powerful
2: super great i love where the transition where she's like the father above beckons you into his hall in seventh heaven i'll see you once more and then it, that's when it like gets intense but now i seek vengeance on sons of the whore Oh, I was like, damn, oh God, they
3: called Sansa a whore. Yeah, She's like the most virtuous person <laughs> on the planet. That's what I
2: thought was funny, too. I was like, uh, I, you know, I doubt Arya realized or would have wanted her script changed to result in her sister being called a whore. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the point comes across. Yes. Hilarious. I loved that. Or maybe 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 it wouldn't even bother Arya because she didn't really like Sansa <laughs> beforehand.
3: Yes, her, her monologue is much better this time around.
2: Yeah, she added some really cool prose. Like, um, But now I seek vengeance on Sansa the Horde, and my brother the imp who killed his own king. Born amongst lions, our curse from within. I will slay him, I swear, with noose or with knife. Though it take me a fortnight, a moon, or my life.
3: So poetic.
2: And she sells it so hardcore. I love there's, there's clips of like the audience members just weeping and crying and yeah, even guys with their lips quivering and tears, like <laughs> flowing down their faces and stuff.
3: And she's really crying too. Yeah.
2: At the end when she's stands up to take her bow and everything, she has to wipe her eyes. Cause she really like got into it as well. And she's, I think she might even scan the crowd looking for Aria to see if Arya is there to uh, take note of her new monologue that she inspired
3: oh yeah this is before she's sick that's right yeah
2: so she goes back into backstage after the show and takes a swig of rum and hears something and discovers that's Arya bleeding out <laughs> behind the rack and aria this tells us aria must not have seen the waif inside of the backstage area here because otherwise Arya would have known this is not a safe place to come to no and then we get you know, she's been stitched up by Lady Crane. And this was, I thought, kind of dumb, like the explanation here of how she's so good at.
3: Yeah, I thought that was really unnecessary dialogue.
2: Yeah, curing these like four inch deep puncture wounds. Uh, I don't think so.
3: Yeah, because <laughs> she used to get jealous and stab her men. Yeah. And then, and and cheat then, on her, and then she would feel bad. I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah.
2: Didn't really make much sense. Another like another bit of clunky dialogue, which is probably some of the weakest in the entire series. And an it just is not to,
3: necessary. Yeah,
2: like, it's just like an attempt to rationalize this insane wound that Arya got. <laughs> like that, that, that she a could somehow survive it. Sew it up. Yeah, and it's just no. Anybody that knows anything about surgery and the different Puncture layers of wounds, skin and muscles, yeah,
3: are and, no joke. Yeah, you're going to get joke.
2: sutured up on multiple levels.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have in inner stitches. You don't just stitch it up.
2: Yeah, exactly. My grandfather worked for the team of people that developed dissolvable sutures for surgery. Oh, really? Yeah, which is kind of cool. So. so since she asks about the, uh, the actress Bianca who wanted Lady Crane killed.
3: She got beat the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: good <laughs> luck finding work as an actress after what I did to your face, bitch.
3: I know it's like, you should see the other person.
2: Yeah. That was, so that was pretty funny. Uh, Lady Crane is a badass, apparently stabbing people and destroying people's faces.
3: She's a great actress and a terrible cook. Yeah. We've come to find yeah. out. She never came to cook.
2: <laughs> yep. But uh, she's trying to do it for Aria at least, which is nice.
3: And this is where we start getting the looking into the future curse. Once we start looking into the future, we know that something's going to happen. Right. You should come with us. You would be a great, a great actress. Like, come join our team. Like, we can go to Pentos together. She's like, nah. Ari's like, I don't think I could remember all the words.
2: (laughs) AKA, like, she's not openly saying it, but she's like, I'm kind of done, like, pretending to be other people.
3: (laughs) No (laughs) one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So. um,
2: She talks about traveling west, farther than Westeros, to the edge of the world. Sort of symbolizing how she lives on the edge.
3: So do you think their world is round or flat?
2: That's round. That's just how yeah. planets are. <laughs> I don't buy any. No.
3: Oh, I don't either. But I was just thinking in the context of this world. That's could what I mean. Be. Like
2: the physics of your universe are faulty if you write a, write a story with a flat Earth.
3: Yes. What's west of... So no one's ever gone west of Westeros. But wouldn't they just hit Essos
2: if they go far enough? Yeah, <laughs> unless there's some <laughs> unknown continent like the like the Americas over like the there on the right. other side of the planet. You know?
3: Oh, spinoff! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> west
2: Westeros, west of West, Westereros, <laughs> like dumb, dumb, and dumberer,
3: um, Middleos, <laughs> yeah. <It's amazing. laughs> yeah, Centros. So, milk of a poppy. Yep. It looks very thick and goopy. Goops. She's like, Ari's like, I don't want that. The freaking wave is after yeah. me. If I have to run, I need to be able to run. I yeah. can't like sleep all day. She's like, this is honestly what the body needs. Like you do need to sleep.
2: <laughs> it's like that part in, um, in John wick where he <laughs> gets the pain medicine that doesn't mess with his head, but stops the pain receptors so he can <laughs> run and fight, but he's still like lucid and not all drugged out. Even though he has these grievous wounds and stitches and stuff.
3: Yeah. So Arya decides to drink it and she falls peacefully to sleep.
2: Yeah, but not after, not before she warns Lady Crane that she can't come acting with her because she's being hunted by someone without a name. And the Lady Crane would be in danger if she brought Arya. Do
3: you think Lady Crane is aware of the faceless men
2: in uh, Braavos? Well, she lives in Bravos, so I assume that she is.
3: Well, they're in Bravos right now. They're, right. Tra- they, oh, they're, they're travel, a traveling. they're traveling. traveling. Show, so we don't really know if that's her
2: home. People probably know about the faceless men, right?
3: Yeah. So I think if Arya says to her, you know, she does, she doesn't have a name. Like that would clue in Lady Crane. It's
2: kind of a, it's a big hint. Maybe Arya visiting the edge of the world could also and how she's a, like excited about it and wants to see it. Maybe that could foreshadow her. Visiting the almost end of the world, end of the world, uh, as opposed to the edge oh, of the world shit. with the, the White Walkers infiltrating Westeros.
3: Nice, I like that.
2: Because um, she doesn't know about that at all yet, so she's looking for excitement and living on the edge, to so to speak, the edge of the world. She's gonna get it.
3: <laughs> she's going up to Winterfell. She's gonna be right in the midst of it.
2: Yeah, totally.
3: Nice. So, I think that's it. Farewell to Bravos for
2: this scene yeah just one other funny line where she's like um she's like trust me if my soup didn't kill you nothing will like you can drink this milk of the poppy and nothing's gonna kill you (laughs) um and her lying there in bed injured when she's falling asleep made me think of ned lying in bed in season one after he was stabbed with the spear through the leg
3: yeah kind of looked
2: similar their hair and everything
3: yeah and she was known to look like her dad more than her mom
2: yeah true
3: in the books at least yeah and with I the, um,
2: recollections of liana stark as well
3: yeah like um
2: she looks more like a stark than a tully
3: yeah brandon sansa and Rickon and rob all look more like the tellies they have like reddish hair in the books yep. and she has brown hair like her she dad and, john and so does john stark. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah stark stock
3: Yeah, so I think we're taking a dragon to marine next. (laughs) And we're in a, I guess, like a marketplace. We get two marketplaces. We do. So now we're in the marine marketplace and we hear the red priestess, the priestess talking.
2: Pumping Danny.
3: Yeah, she is it, people. Get on board. Pump the
2: jam, pump it up. (laughs)
3: Nice nice 90s dance music. (laughs) Love it.
2: So what's next?
3: We get Tyrion and Varys. Sweet. And so I totally glossed over this scene, probably the first like five, ten times I watched this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because I would always say to myself every time, like, where is Varys going? And then we cut over to oh. Dorne and he's like randomly there. I'm like, how the fuck did Varys get there? And I always forget <laughs> about this scene. Special <laughs>
2: diplomatic mission, of course. Yeah,
3: so he's going to Dorne. That's where he's going right yeah. now. And yeah. I I finally, after a very long time, made that connection. So maybe I'm just slow, but... <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny. He walks out of the shadows, dramatically revealing. After all the time we spent wondering where he, and was he going. And he says
3: fire and blood. Yes. That's what he says to Alaria when he so walks epic. out of the shadows in Dorne. I'm so yeah, excited for like,
2: that. Yeah, like telling us that we're hooking you up with the dragon queen.
3: But I do. I remember vividly looking at Dave and I'm like, how is he in Dorne? He was just in Marine. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> so, oh, man. I'm dense sometimes, you know, but what are you going to do? It's all right. it's all good
2: (laughs) it's all right (laughs) Tyrion's like bragging about how successful this whole um, endeavor with the religion has been
3: he's like look around you her name is everywhere it's working there's a you know people are back in the marketplace no one's afraid no one's hiding
2: yeah and i thought it varies brought up an interesting point you said you made a pact with fanatics and i was like wow it totally mirrors what cersei tried to do in Ooh. King's Landing, I didn't even think about that before this rewatch.
3: Oh, yeah! Where
2: they've both sort of empowered this, this religious
3: fanatic. Yeah,
2: these fanatic, fanatical religious sects in their city, and we haven't seen it come back to bite Tyrion. But then again, yes. the Lord of the Light, Lord of Light, is like the only god we've actually seen any evidence of. Mm-hmm. So if if one of these fanatics are following an actual god or you know something real, it seems like it's you know, the red priest. Maybe basically. they're not
3: fanatics then.
2: <laughs> well, even if you're like, you know, if it, whether it's true or not, you're still pretty fanatical about it.
3: <laughs> you know? That's, that's yeah.
2: true. <laughs> yeah. So Tyrion's all stoked about how it worked. And I, I like, um, Varys has a, a pretty, they have a cool, cool little back and forth here. Tyrion's bragging about how it worked. And Varys is like, if you shaved your beard with a straight razor, you'd say the razor worked. That doesn't mean it won't cut your throat. <laughs> Tyrion says, spoken like a man who never has to shave. <laughs> um, but that also made me think of what happened with Cersei and how she, you know, her straight razor basically came back cut, to cut yeah. her throat, you know?
3: Yeah. Well, and also when she was getting her head shaved, they were cutting her. Yeah. Like when they were cutting all her hair off, they were nicking her shoulders and her head and she was bleeding.
2: Interesting. Yeah. A razor involved with uh, Cersei as well. That's a yeah, good catch for that. It's kind of cool. Symbolic.
3: So Tyrion's like, we need our queen back <laughs> right now. <Yeah. laughs> but before that, we we find out that Varys is going on a mission. He's yeah. leaving. And he's t- going on an expedition. <laughs>
2: yeah. And Tyrion is so sad to have Varys leave. He's broody. Yeah. He's like, he's like that whole Star Wars part. He's like, I'm going to miss you.
3: <laughs> I know. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so funny. I was like, "Wow, he's like really, you know, not he's upset." And then after they walk, after they like you know separate, and he goes off. Tyrion ro- walks off, and he look he's really brooding. Like you said, he's like he looks super super sad. It's like yeah. my best friend just left.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we'll see Varis again soon, but yes. for now it's Bon, bon Voyage. Bon
2: Voyage, Varis
3: what's your next note? Are you at river run?
2: Yes. Back at river run with Brienne,
3: Brienne and Brandon.
2: Yes. I think there was something else. I, Oh, there was a, a funny part we skipped before when we talked about Brienne and pod arriving at river run where, uh, Podrick is like Captain Obvious from from those commercials. They're overlooking the the siege camp, encampment. um, It's like my lady riders are approaching. Well, before that, he's like, he's like, looks like a siege, my lady. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Brienne's like, you have a keen military mind, Pod. A quick one there, Pod. (laughs) Classic little moment. But yeah, next we're with Brienne and uh, Brynden, the blackfish, as Brienne is pleading her case. uh, Two stubborn warriors
3: going at it. Yeah. love it.
2: Very similar, aren't they?
3: They are very similar, which is why I think a couple episodes back, Sansa says, you'll know how to talk to him.
2: Mm.
0: Maybe. Because
3: at first he completely writes her off, but then he actually reads the letter.
2: Right. And we were wondering. She gets
3: him to read the letter.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she does. It's pretty impressive. What she says really strikes him.
3: Cause he, he goes on to say to Brianne, I don't know you, I haven't seen Sansa in years. I don't, I don't know, know her, her signature. signature. I'm yeah. not reading this letter. So for, for him to open it up and read it yeah. and realize, wow, she's just like her mom. She know he knows in that moment that it's true. That
2: this is Sansa. It's so funny. Yeah. And those are all such good points that he's making, too. Like, this could easily be a ploy. Like, Ramsey's ploys against Theon and stuff were more complicated than this. <laughs> you
3: know, most, yeah, This most... could
2: easily be, like, from the Kingslayer, he's he's on edge with Jamie outside lurking. Uh, so he's. You oh, know, yeah. He even says, like,
3: later on, he's right, like, like, I <laughs> have a feeling they're going to try something tonight. Right.
2: A couple seconds later. So he's on edge. He could, he thinks this could easily be, like, a ploy, like I was saying. And she goes, on this epic rant, like this epic monologue, which kind of changes his mind and convinces him to read the letter, which is pretty cool. But he, we learned that Brynden knows Brienne's father here.
3: Yes. And that Brienne's father speaks highly of her, which was nice to hear because he was so against her becoming like a warrior. He wanted her to be a lady. He tried so hard. We get that um, her monologue about the the ball where Renly kind of saved you know, was her saving grace.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so it could have very well been that her father kind of like disowned her, but we find that he speaks highly of his daughter, which I yeah. thought was awesome.
2: And Brendan seems to like still be in touch with him, So they seem yeah. to like be friends. It does. He doesn't say like, Oh, I knew your father. He says, I know your father.
3: Maybe, maybe that's where he's been hiding.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
3: <laughs> yeah. So the, the blackfish points out that, that Brienne is wearing a sword with a lion's head on the Uh,
2: hilt. Right. Because Brienne denies that Jaime is his friend or her friend.
3: I think Brienne needs to change the hilt of the sword. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) I've been looking at Lannister Gold my entire life. Yeah.
2: All these times where something really positive could happen and people lose trust in her immediately because of the hilt of her sword.
3: Which is so funny because it's called Oath (laughs) Keeper. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, true. So ironic. So he's making the point that that River Run can last much longer than sh- than her one handed friend Jamie thinks. You know that they can they can withstand the siege for quite some time, and that's when Brienne says he's not my friend, and uh he brings up the the sword and everything like that, right?
3: Yeah, and so she gives him the reason why. You know, Jamie gave her the sword to protect Sansa and he gave it to me to protect her this is what i have done and i'm going to continue protecting sansa which is your family till the day i die
2: yeah he kept his word to catlin
3: yes he kept his word for sure so she hands him the piece she hands him the piece of paper right too. and he
2: just seems like stunned by this like he's like he's like so shocked by this revelation that the black that uh the Kingslayer may have done something positive and created this positive charge for Brianne basically. And so he actually decides to read it, which is pretty amazing. Brianne dropping truth bombs.
3: Yeah. And she, he goes, she's exactly like her mother, but I don't have enough men to help her. And Brianne's like, well, you have more than she does. And I love it. He kind of throws it back in her face. She's like, he, he goes, she wants her home back. I understand that. That's like exactly what we're doing here. We're right. Pro- I am yeah, protecting this is my, my home. home. But the thing yeah. is, he's
2: not Lord of River Run. So,
3: but as far as he knows, Edmure is, is, Edmure is still in captivity at this moment.
2: Right. So he would be the rightful Lord if Edmure were eliminated, essentially.
3: Yeah. And at this point, He's pretty he's kind of written Edmure off.
2: Yeah, he's like, just kill him. I want River Run. <laughs> that, that's why he was so easily like quick to saying just slit us throat. Yeah. Take him.
3: <laughs> yeah, slit us throat. I don't give a crap.
2: Hilarious.
3: So Brianne can't really argue with that. That I mean, that's exactly what's happening in River Run. That's exactly the reason he gave her yeah. not to leave. And that's exactly the reason why she's there to help Sansa get her ancestral home back. So it's kind of like fuck, I failed.
2: And she knows it's it's futile at this point. Yeah.
3: Tell Sansa, send a Raven. Yeah. yeah.
2: And she's pretty like brutally honest. You know, she's like, just tell her I failed. And she's like her own harshest critic. You know what I mean?
3: She is for sure.
2: Brutal moment. So,
3: um, that's all I have for that scene. How about you?
2: Yep. We'll come back to meet them again in a little bit, I guess. Next we have drinking games, (laughs) drinking (laughs) with, uh, Tyrion and Grey Worm and Missande. He's right? always
3: trying to get them to drink, and finally they do. Yeah, it's they hilarious. finally drink with Tyrion. He's and,
2: such a bad influence. <laughs> Peer pressuring the shit out of
3: him. Missandei's like, I've had, I've had a glass of wine before. <laughs> um, Grey Worm's like, it tastes like it's turned, and he goes, <laughs> "That's the point. <laughs> fermentation. Uh,
2: fermentation. <laughs> and yeah." Missande is like, I've had it before. It made me feel funny.
3: Because that's how you know it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so, cheers to our queen. Anyone who's not drinking is disrespecting our queen. So yeah, they're like sipping it.
2: And he told he told uh, Grayworm, he's like, well, if you're only not drinking because of the rules, who wrote those rules? The masters? masters. They didn't want so, you to be human. Have a drink with me. I, I love that logic. Like they were dehumanizing you, giving you, like eliminating the simple pleasures of life.
3: Yeah. Grey Worm's like okay I'm gonna have a drink and then he starts in on them tell me a joke
2: <laughs> yeah yeah just right
3: into it because he's always like let's play a game tell me a joke he's always like trying to get them to like lighten up
2: yeah totally
3: and he's always so awkward with them and so um <laughs> we get the three lords walk into a tavern a stark a martel and a lannister they order ale <laughs> the Lannister is pissed off that there's a bug, and the Martell plucks the fly out of it and swallows it whole. And the Stark wants the fly to spit out the, the ale, yeah. <laughs> spit it out, wee, wee shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's like the Lannisters are stuck up and entitled. The Martells are casual, undaunted by taboo. You know, yep. and Free um,
0: spirits.
2: yeah, Missandei smiles at that line about plucking out the fly and eating it whole. She's kind of like laughing. She all. seems to be like slightly buzzing already. You know, mm-hmm. and then the Starks are like to the letter, plain, conservative. <laughs> like
3: I got it as they. Drink a lot too, because they look at the fly and he says, "Spit it out, like I want every last drop,
2: oh <laughs> I was thinking more on along the lines of like not wasting anything, you know, like no like extra expenditures, um yeah, like making sure that they get the most out of everything, you know,
3: <laughs> and they don't laugh, and Tyrion's like, Are those crickets that I hear
2: <laughs> right, and uh, we get a brief moment before that too, where Tyrion is. Having visions of the future, dreaming about the future, which made me make me nervous for his existence. Remember, he's like one day mm-hmm. after our queen has taken the seven kingdoms. I'd like to have my own vineyard, make my own wine. The
3: imps, delight. light.
2: Yeah, what a classic name, right?
3: <laughs> Only for my friends. Yeah,
2: I love also how he'd, he'd limit it and restrict it to his close friends. Hilarious, but yeah, hopefully that's not a bad sign.
3: Yep. So, Masande. She's like, I'm going to try to tell a joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she has a pretty good one, too. I was impressed.
3: I laughed.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, me too.
3: <laughs> but Tyrion does that. Ah, oh, Like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I love Grey Worm here. That is the worst joke I ever heard.
2: Right, and I was She's like, like, you damn. don't even know what
3: a joke is.
2: Yeah. Shots <laughs> fired. Right. He's like, I've been in my, the military my whole life. You think I don't know about jokes?
3: <laughs> yeah. You lied. I make jokes.
2: I make joke. <laughs> <laughs> Grey worms. Hilarious.
3: And then cue the bells. Oh my God. And the white sails come into the Harbor and Missandei look, looks over at Tyrion and she goes, the masters have come for their property.
2: Fuck. And Tyrion was so excited about having, you know, secured Peace. the city and all this stuff, all this. But um, we, as we learned at the Dosholin, since they had been negotiating tens of thousands of horses in exchange for Danny with the Free Cities, theoretically, the Free Cities were aware that Danny had been captured, so they sent a fleet to Marine to try to take it back. Yep. This is their chance, basically.
3: Yep, they're taking a chance.
2: Yeah, this is their big shot. Tyrion also tries to employ his honeycomb brothel jackass joke again.
3: Which we never get the end to. We've heard the start of this joke like two or three times in the Ugh. series, and it, we've never heard the ending. So I know, I'm hoping so we brutal. hear the ending in season eight. Yeah, I
2: bet we'll never will, though. Probably something <laughs> no, we'll never learn. <laughs> totally. I agree with that. So funny. So, yeah, I totally forgot about this whole, like, war that's happening here, basically, with the, all the catapults launching everything at the ships and everything they're setting
3: marine on fire
2: yeah it's fucking crazy um we can just talk about that part right now if you want
3: sure so the master the master's fleets are launching the fiery balls at the pyramid
2: yeah right all the catapults like everything is just being launched into the city and Oh, oh! Tyrion's apologizing hilariously. <laughs> He's
3: like, <laughs> "Like I admit it, I yeah, was
2: wrong." I, I was don't wrong. And Grey Worm's getting all pissed. He's like, "No, no, no, no! You don't know what to do with the army." He's like, "The army will not go to the uh, to the coast."
3: I'm taking over now. Yeah, we're gonna stay in the pyramid. <laughs> yeah,
2: we we gotta hold the down the fort basically.
3: Yeah, we're no use out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom! Something like nails the pyramid up to high and i was thinking oh man one of the catapults just connected
0: mm-hmm. but
2: that's what i thought too yeah then we hear like what sounds like steps like someone <laughs> <laughs> like walking down the pyramid and it's drogon mm-hmm. walking down and all of a sudden danny comes into the to the, <laughs> the pyramid like a true hero's entrance into the penthouse
3: <laughs> she's had a bath
2: <sighs> yeah she has she looks all fresh and everything and yeah comes in and she looks pissed off
3: she looks right at Tyrion too. Yeah, like,
2: and what the he fuck? looks like a bit intimidated and nervous and oh yeah, she's mad. She's like, what the hell happened?
3: <laughs> and Tyrion is like palm to face.
2: Yeah, but she should have <laughs> expected it. Cause I mean, shit was hitting the fan when she got whisked away. Also,
3: I think that's why she doesn't get super upset with Tyrion. I think yeah. she is mature enough at this point to understand that, that he was, doing his best with the situation that she literally just flew out of.
2: Yeah. He'd walked into a shitstorm. The sure. last time
3: she saw him, they were surrounded by the sons of the Harpy. Yeah. She, for all she know that until no, I'm dead. sure Jorah, yeah, I'm sure Jorah and Dario told her that they all survived, but right, right, right. up until then she didn't know if he was dead or alive. So the fact totally. that he's been trying, I think saves his ass here. Yeah and knowing and knowing what she left him with and i believe she acknowledges that in an in a episode or two from now to him like i realize i left you with like a shit show
2: oh interesting yeah i don't remember that but i'm yeah I maybe mean, i don't doubt it it's existence
3: <laughs> i'm pretty sure she she Says it in passing, like I knew I left you with like a difficult task. Oh, right,
2: right, right. Yeah, let's
3: move on from that. Like, (laughs) what do we do now? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to kick you out. I'm not going to kill you. I'm a little upset that this is happening, but I left you with like chaos, and I, you know, shouldn't be upset. Yeah. So yeah, so enters Danny, and the I love how the Unsullied stop and they bow, and everyone's like. It's Danny. Real. She's back in Marine. Oh she, no. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like a moment, like a huge moment when she walks in and everyone's just like, Oh my God, there she is entering yeah. through the penthouse, uh, <laughs> um, balcony.
3: And she's back in Marine. Like when I first watched it, I was like, yes, Danny's out of Marine. And now she's back in Marine. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's like, true
3: Fuck. so just, is she gonna stay there forever I think at this point that's what I was thinking when it was the first right. time being like I don't oh think oh
2: god she's back we're Annie's never getting out of here
3: gonna ever go to Westeros
2: <laughs> yeah totally in
3: fact, I'm almost positive
2: thankfully uh, thankfully she sails west in just a couple episodes yeah two episodes from now
3: I can't wait I
2: know it's gonna be so good
3: da 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> my favorite <laughs> 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 the yeah. dragon's
3: like screeching <laughs> <Fly around. Ships>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so next we're back at river run right with edmure edmure crossing the little bridge towards the drawbridge
3: being a bitch
2: yeah. <laughs> drinking out of cups being a bitch
3: I seriously, you they just let you go. Why are you following directions? They just let you go. You're going back to your ancestral home. You guys have provisions for two years. You have an army. Like, why would you give up the castle?
2: Only to save his baby's his baby son's life, which may or may not exist.
3: But I mean, does Jamie know where his said baby is? Is he Who knows? at is he at the twins?
2: Jamie is the like the all-powerful at this point from uh, Edmure's perspective (laughs) he doesn't have he doesn't have much choice but to buy what he says
3: I know I know but I mean I just I don't know I feel like
2: well think about this right ready family duty honor what comes first
3: family I get I get it believe me I get it if someone were gonna threaten my kid I would probably do the same thing in that situation Mm. However, from a show perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Like it would have been kind of a cool twist. And
2: oh yeah. But we don't know where
3: the baby is. Where is the baby? Is it is it I'm assuming she's at the twins with the baby.
2: Yeah, I am not sure. She's
3: a fray. It makes sense. I mean I don't think she ever left the twins. He left the twins to go or be in a dungeon somewhere or he was in the dungeon <laughs> yeah, at he was, his twins yeah
2: for, for most of that time until he got moved to a uh, river run for river the, run. the siege so purposes she,
3: so Jamie probably does know where the baby is but do you think Walder Frey would let Jamie oh probably because he doesn't give a crap about his grandkids he has like hundreds of them so yeah <laughs> I, I'm talking myself out of my own theory it's hilarious give up the castle save your baby <laughs>
2: yeah yeah <laughs> That's what he does. He, yeah, he He goes with the old house words, family duty it's, honor. It does.
3: It's so hard to watch though. Cause the blackfish is like, no, you guys like do not let him in. Mm-hmm. Do not let him but in. But At the He's same the time,
2: it's his castle. He's the Lord yeah. of river and he can do what he wants with it. He can turn it over. To I
3: demand a, entry.
2: Yeah. It's pretty interesting.
3: You are not the Lord of this castle, my Lord. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what are the, the guards are just not going to let the Lord of river run in.
3: He has a duty and I think he feels really bad because I think in the bottom of his heart, he kind of knows, but he's like, "Ah, I can't obey you. Yeah.
2: And I feel like he does respect the blackfish as well. He just like, he, he, he's caught between a rock and a hard place there, you know?
3: Yeah. And then they're like, lower the bridge and the blackfish is just like, you guys are fucking stupid.
2: Yeah, so dumb.
3: Oh, poor guy.
2: Yeah, so Edmure walks in and
3: uh Walder makes a point to Jamie, if you're wrong, we just surrendered our most valuable prisoner.
2: Right, right. And that's when it kicked in to me that releasing Edmure kind of mirrored Cat's releasing Jamie mm-hmm. where yeah. if Jamie didn't follow through and try to protect Sansa and Arya, then she just let go of their most valuable prisoner. Same thing with yep. what Jamie did here. So it's interesting that Cat's um, willingness to let Jamie go and trust him maybe influenced Jamie's decision here to let Edmure go and trust him.
3: Yeah. And I think he knows that Edmure's not a very strong character, like, doesn't have a strong backbone. So it would be highly unlikely for a character like Edmure to say one thing. And actually, that kind of goes into their oath too family duty honor. He's giving Jamie his word. Right so and he has he's carrying out the duty and then he's honoring the pact that he made with Jamie
2: yeah um, and like you said about not having a backbone they don't call him the floppy fish for nothing he doesn't really have any strong bones
3: yeah so oh, floppy fish oh Bone. the flaccid fish <laughs>
2: yeah even that bones not very strong
3: apparently he can get a virgin pregnant though so oh, true
2: he is potent <laughs> <laughs>
3: so then we get the drawbridge lowering and the Lannister soldiers marching in. And I did notice because we were talking about Jamie's armor last episode, and I kept looking at it this episode too. the, I'll say like the footmen in the army do not have those gold lions on their shoulders.
2: Oh, interesting. Nice.
3: So I think because he's the commander of the army, he has the gold, lions. The golden lions. His armor is just a little bit more robust, yeah. Oh, in man. color and design, um, but they're very close. They have the same look. They just don't have the intricate lion details. Right, they yeah. have gold shoulders and a and a red breastplate.
2: Makes sense. That's for like f- the family gets the art, like the golden lions yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. Tywin's book armor. He's got like a giant lion on top of each shoulder.
3: <laughs> it doesn't he have like a really long red cloak yeah, that like drapes like, to the floor off his horse
2: red gold yeah it covers the whole back of the horse mm-hmm. and goes all the way to the ground
3: <laughs> i love that
2: super gangster so edmure makes eye contact with brendan and then walks right back right to the top of the battlements and orders everybody to lay down their arms and open the gates and that guy, and like,
3: welcome home. And he's like, um, yeah. open the gate. The guy's like, my lord, your lord has given a command. And yeah. The guy looks at him like, like oh, really, man. dude? He looks kind really? of disgusted. <laughs> he is disgusted because he's honor-bound to do what he says, but, like, what the fuck? You like, oh, just oh, gave a right. Asshole.
2: Yeah. He goes on, find the blackfish, put him in irons, and hand him over to the phrase.
3: The guy is like, go find him. Oh, my God. What the fuck?
2: Yeah. He gives the order, but he's like super pissed about it. <laughs> yeah. Well played, Jamie. Family duty honor. He knew this, the, the house words and he, he put the kid up because <laughs> yep. he knew the loyalty would be to the to family.
3: Family first.
2: Yep. Pretty smart.
3: Always family first.
2: Really well played, Jamie. So as River Run is being lost to the Lannisters, what do we hear?
3: Reigns of Castamere.
2: The Reigns of Castamere. Sadly playing. Very fitting as a family is being destroyed to some extent.
3: Pretty much. Well, yeah. We don't see Edmir again, do we? We don't know what happens to him.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what happens with him after this.
3: He gets up the castle, so does he get to go back to his wife? I assume so. <laughs>
2: That was sort of Jamie's first offer. That was you do kind this of the and we plan. We're, yeah,
3: like give us the castle and you can go home. So I, he's freed. So
2: at least um, the kid will be like you know taken care of and stuff. I'm not sure where he would be allowed to be. I mean, he can't go home. River Run. They've just taken the and, phrase. But he can't go run. to the
3: phrase because the phrase killed his family.
2: He may have to live with the phrase to be with the wife and the kid.
3: Ugh, gross.
2: Yeah. Arya probably killed him in the season seven opener <laughs> with all the poison and everything.
3: Oh shit. <laughs> so we cut down to like the, the bowels of the the castle, I the like bowels. to call it.
2: Yeah. The bowels
3: of the castle. They're in like this
2: And it's about to poop out Brienne. The-
3: <laughs> and pod.
2: <laughs> yeah. Poopa pod.
3: Poopa pod. <laughs> um, and uh, the blackfish is helping them escape. And he's like, go, you know, like, I know yeah. that you can keep Sansa safe. Like, you'll serve her far better than I ever could. Yeah.
2: And thankfully, he had the good sense to make sure Brienne got out of there so that Lady Sansa would at least still have Brienne. Because
3: exactly. that could have been bad if
2: Brienne got caught up in there.
3: Yeah. And she's like, come with us. And he's like, no, I ran once and I'm not going to do it again.
2: I'm like, why, though?
3: <laughs> and I love this He like unsheathes unsheathes his sword and he goes. I haven't had a proper sword fight in years. I expect he'll make a damn fool of myself. (laughs) And he's like looking at the blade, and I thought that was
2: yeah, pretty brutal. He
3: like happily ran to his death.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and uh, Brienne is like trying to argue with him. She's like, "Your family is in the north. You know, come with us. Don't die for pride when you can fight for your blood." And I'm like, "Damn, Brienne, you're on point. Mm -hmm. Plus, family, duty, honor, like." The thing, he should have gone north. Yep. He should have gone to protect Sansa. When he knew that the situation was lost there, it's really sad that he decided not to. And like you said, like he said, probably embarrassed himself and got killed for nothing, basically.
3: So, Edmure's, let's presume that Edmure is free. And he's technically the lord of river run which is now run by the phrase well, oh yeah the
2: Frey's own river run now he's not he wouldn't be lord of it anymore
3: but there's still like what about the tully army where do they go do they go to the Freys?
2: yeah they may have just been absorbed by the Freys.
3: that's what i was thinking because i was thinking if some are still loyal to the tully's maybe we will see the tully's again up in winterfell
2: that would be cool. So, so they run away to help join like the North remembers the, uh, the yeah, resurrection and, of the Stark thing, but they're from the Riverlands though. So like uh, they they're from the know,
3: Riverlands, but Edmure um, Sansa is Edmure Tully's niece.
2: Right. So it could be a theoretical place for them to escape too. If they felt oppressed by new leadership in the Riverlands.
3: Yeah. So just a little gateway there, a little, little, you know, stone path, possibly leading the Tully's, some of the Tully's up to Winterfell.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe Sansa could inherit some of that army.
3: That's what I was thinking. Add, add them to the Winterfell right. army. Yeah, that'd be cool. Whether it be to fight the army of the dead or Cersei.
2: hmm Yeah. So, man, it sucks we lose the blackfish here.
3: So, we get the they're in the, the rowboat and it cuts out to the courtyard and the banners are being dropped and uh. Lannister banners are being
2: Lannister banners. Yes. Oh, interesting.
3: Yeah. I made note of that because I was like, what the hell? I thought the phrase owned the twins, but I guess the Lannisters control the phrase. So. That's
2: hilarious.
3: Yeah. It was a lion banner.
2: Interesting. Very Interesting.
3: It was a red lion, if I'm not mistaken. It was certainly not, not the twins. Two castles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it That's was great. certainly not the twins. It's funny. So we cut out and it's dawn. It's mm-hmm. just the hour before dawn. It's very light out because this is all taking place at night. And Jamie is looking out over the river and he sees a little rowboat with Idiot. Pod and Brienne in it.
2: Focuses on it, leans out a little bit to get a good look.
3: And this this was very interesting to me because they had the conversation. They're like, honor compels me to fight against you. So technically, at this point, the Blackfish rebelled and Brienne is like kind of sneaking out of there. Jamie had every right to like send like some of the army after her.
2: Right. She's really lucky that only Jamie saw them escaping.
3: Exactly. And I think it was like a truce again he just waves at her like i see you and you're you're okay i'm not going to
2: yeah totally
3: which is i thought very noble.
2: Yeah. They love each other, you know, like whether or not it's full blown love on Jamie's side, like he, he loves her.
3: He has an absolute love and respect for her. Last thing they they
2: want is to fight each other. Like they were both almost sick imagining it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. They have a bond. It's a strong friend. I don't want to say a friendship, but it's certainly a bond. Yeah. And man, I love it. He lets her go, which shows Brianne that, you know, to her statement earlier that they would have to fight against each other, he is kind of relinquishing that. Like
2: he's reluctant I, about it, for sure. Yeah,
3: we're on opposite sides, and I'm letting you go. So that says a lot to Brienne. But also,
2: she had said that we would have to fight if, like, if it if you guys attack the castle, essentially. And they didn't technically attack. River Run stood down,
3: except the Blackfish kind of.
2: Right, but he was rogue <laughs> at that point.
3: He was rogue. Yeah, the rogue fish. <laughs> yeah, like the
2: you know, like like just like he is the black fish separating himself from the rest of them and doing his own thing. That's why they call him that. He's like the black sheep of the of the Tullys. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. So technically, well, technically, yeah, yeah. there would be no wouldn't be reason necessarily for them to to fight at this moment because it didn't come to combat at the at this at the house. But uh, it, you know, I don't know. It's it's a tough call. Yeah. Luckily, Jamie let her go, which is really cool.
3: <laughs> I loved it. It was just so symbolic of their previous conversation, like.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Honor compels us to fight against each other, but here I see you, and I'm letting you go mm-hmm. to go protect Sansa.
2: We'll only fight if we really have to.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, it's pretty crazy.
3: Um, I think. That's all I have for my notes.
2: We, except for learning about, um, the blackfish being killed. Jamie.
3: Oh yes. Yes.
2: So then we cut back up to the castle and Jamie's up at the battlements and he gets word that from a guard that they've found the blackfish and he's like, good, bring him to me. But unfortunately the guard tells him that the blackfish died fighting and I imagine that Jamie is genuinely upset by this because the Blackfish has sort of been a revered figure in Westeros. And I know Jamie looked up to him and was upset that the Blackfish had such disrespect for him. So it probably saddens Jamie both that he's died and that he never had a chance to improve his image in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, never had a chance to sort of redeem himself and earn his respect which I'm sure he would have wanted to do if he could have. He really did try to um, be respectful and everything when they had their little parley.
3: Definitely. I think he was definitely sad to hear of the Blackfish's demise.
2: Yeah, definitely. So that wraps up my notes as well. Um, Got anything else you want to add about the episode as a whole or anything?
3: No. Season six is phenomenal.
2: Yeah. Yeah easily yes. one of the top seasons which is interesting considering it's the first year that they really started going off script
3: mm-hmm. true
2: like partway from season through season five things started going off script from the books as we surpassed mm-hmm. it but this is like the full first full season that's like all new stuff essentially so
3: i mean god we have so like battle of the bastards is next <laughs>
2: I know, right? Johnny Uh, Stitches is stoked to join us.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. I
2: can't wait. Yeah, totally. All right. We'll be right back, guys. Stick with us. Finally,
0: a girl is Noah. A girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell. And I'm going home.
2: And we're back with Game of Thrones and history from town and The real people that inspired Game of Thrones by Nancy Bilio. William II. Just because you're a ruthless, war, happy, widely feared King doesn't mean your kids will wear a crown. Well, just ask Robert Baratheon, his quote sons unquote, didn't turn out too kingly. Like King Robert, King William II, son of William the Conqueror, died in the forest while hunting very suspiciously. Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. Robert Baratheon was gored by a boar after his young Lannister aide gave him spiked wine. In King William's case, an arrow pierced his lung on August 2nd in the year 1100. In the new forest and his nobles all fled a peasant later found the body and thought he should tell someone a modern historian called the unmarried king a quote rambunctious devil may care soldier without natural dignity or social graces with no cultivated tastes and little show of religious piety or morality <laughs> indeed according to his critics addicted to every vice particularly lust and especially sodomy
3: Ew. Gross.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a cool guy.
3: Wow. Whoa.
2: William II was cool.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do that way too well.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Todd is cool. All right. Next we have Venice Assassins. The men of the House of Black and White and Bravos may be faceless, but they have a backstory, specifically the Council of Ten in the 15th century Venice. When you wanted someone assassinated, you went to the council of 10 and there are still records of their proceedings, giving the number of those who voted for and who voted against the proposed removal the reasons for the assassination and the sum to be paid for this execution.
2: So hardcore.
3: According to the 1899 book, poison romance and poison mysteries, the council were particularly adept at creating ornate cups with secret poison chambers. Damn. That's so badass! Yes.
2: Fuck. Yeah. That's super cool. (laughs) Next is Mary of tech. And now we leap out of the ancient and medieval world to the wife of King George V and grandmother of the current Queen Elizabeth. Born in 1867, Mary of Teck, as she was once known, was a girl from an insignificant royal house who got the chance at the biggest prize of all, marrying the future King of England. There's a reason the path was rather clear prince albert victor the duke of clarence was not very bright and not very nice in fact people like to speculate that quote eddie unquote was jack the ripper oh shit (laughs) yeah i've heard this before or that at least for mary this was no problem at all unfortunately for her plan eddie died of pneumonia at age 28 Damn. (laughs) however eddie had a younger brother george fond of his stamp collection mary wed george in 1893 in the chapel royal in saint james palace just like marjorie tyrell on game of thrones mary very much wanted to be the queen wow interesting I did, i've never heard of that either another good parallel
3: yeah for sure
2: oh my god what was that sound
3: ah, ah. <laughs> princess
2: sarah of house von Daltron. I choose violence I love this line from Cersei it's like she really made a pivotal and conscious decision to choose violence and when the mountain sort of shows that it works it's like from this moment on she knows how to solve her problems choose violence <laughs> the rest of the show up to this point it seems to be working in her favor I just love the way she really thinks about it and then the smug look of realization and satisfaction when, she, when he tears that dude apart Lancel has the biggest oh fuck look on his face
3: right (laughs) yeah
2: classic moment i choose violence i choose
3: violence it's one of my favorite lines of hers
2: oh yeah totally
3: just no the sept blows up in episode 10 because we have battle of the bastards next that's right
2: yep and then it's the winds of winter
3: winds of winter yeah sir matthew of house rep the many-faced god was promised a name He must always receive what is his. You can't change that. I can't change that. No one can. And now he's being promised another name. I wonder if there's a meaning here when the wave says no one can change who dies. Since the faceless men are no one, can they elect to give someone else the gift? Is that why Jockin is okay with Arya killing the waif?
2: Wow, you said that so much more concisely than than I did. did. (laughs) (laughs) totally.
3: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I think so too. Yeah, I like that interpretation, Sir Matthew. Very nice.
3: The following scene with the waif chasing Arya, we get a shot of an orange falling to the Ah. ground. And I can't help but think that the godfather, where oranges are an omen of death, I wonder if this. Is a deliberate homage. You talked about that. Yeah. So it's gotta I've be. never seen The Godfather, so
2: it is. It sounds
3: it sounds to be yeah, that way.
2: This is for sure an homage to the to the Godfather, definitely, with all the fruit flying all over the place. Yes. You'll watch it, Rachel, and you'll know when you see it. you are like, Oh, okay. that's the part. Nice. It's really iconic. You know, it's an iconic moment.
3: Got it. Um, Sir Matthew goes on. They'd do anything to protect their babies, start a war, burn cities to ash, free their worst enemies, the things we do for love. Yeah. Such a momentous quote from Jamie here as he is comparing Cersei to Cat. Along with Kyber and chasing rumors, this line about burning cities to ash foreshadows her blowing up the Sept of Baylor. But of course, that wasn't for love, but rather for hate.
2: Ah, good
0: point. Yes,
3: I love that we both picked up on that, Sir Matthew.
2: Yes, definitely, definitely. Oh, something I wanted to mention really quickly that we did not mention on our, in our coverage of the episode, when Bran is having those, those visions a couple episodes ago, the flashing visions in rapid succession, the explosion that they show of wildfire is the explosion underneath the sept,
3: it's oh my that, god! Yeah,
2: it's in that room with all the barrels. Where yeah, where Lancel Lance gets it. Yeah,
3: yeah. I saw oh a still gosh. frame,
2: and it's all those barrels on both sides of the room. So I was like, ah, we should have mentioned that.
3: Fuck! Oh my goodness! I didn't. It, there were so many flashes in that vision. I know like I would have to literally like watch it a hundred times to pick each one out.
2: Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we should, Maybe we should, we should have should like, do that. Yeah. We should have gone through and like still framed every one of them, but we're, we're always scrambling to prepare, you know, <laughs>
3: <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a busy life right yeah, now for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Sir Matthew goes on Cersei choosing violence really screwed her here. It's only after Gregor receives a spike to the chest that the Faith realize a trial by combat would not go in their favor.
2: Dude, you're on point this week. This totally episode, yeah. love it. Yeah, we're all not having all the same um, epiphanies for sure.
3: Thank you for writing in.
2: Yeah, nicely said, Lady Sarah of House Larkham. I had mixed feelings about this episode. I liked most of it, but the end was a bit repetitive cersei was expecting a trial by combat but Tommen basically sealed his own fate by forcing cersei to take her own action when asking about kyburn about that rumor she ordered him to investigate she asks if it was just a rumor or more and he says he replies much more yeah it is much more thanks for writing in everybody
3: yeah thank you we love your guys's feedback
2: Mm mm-hmm All right, that's our show, episode 100. Thank you for listening, everybody.
3: Yes, thank you guys so much. We love doing this podcast. We can't wait to continue doing it even after the series finale has ended. So, you know, we just appreciate your patronage and continuing to listen to our ramblings.
2: Definitely, yeah, we really appreciate it. And a huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com.
3: Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution
2: you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, and Luke, the Low Duke. Thank you guys so much. We love you.
3: We love you guys. Thank you.
2: And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaester Stitches. Go to sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We also love giving shout outs to our lovely lady, Lisa of House Sky, mm-hmm. Pyromancer. Romancer. She's literally imperative behind the scenes getting our website gameofmicrophones.com up and running she's a wonderful artist too and i actually just purchased her book on amazon today yes
2: she said that she's been getting good sales lately so i'm glad to hear that
3: yeah i i just thought it's a justin is at a great age for a book like this because he's starting to point out people like
2: he's starting to notice people
3: i really loved the idea of her book it helps explain to children to be accepting and understanding with people that may look different than you so i love that idea so you can actually purchase her book which is called the people you may see and it's available now on amazon.com it's also um, eligible for amazon prime
2: Ooh, even better
3: yeah. So mine's coming tomorrow, if I'm not
2: mistaken.
3: <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> yeah. You can also check out her other amazing work at fineartsbylisa.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook slash fineartsbylisa.
2: Next episode, we'll be covering season six, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards.
3: Hi. Oh
2: my god. Yeah. And Johnny Stitches will be joining us for that episode wow. as well. So Yay. excited to hear excited Arch for that. Archmeister, Yes, our favorite Archmaester coming to join the show again. Give that episode a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on air. If you'd like to call, you can always call us at 813-Joffrey. That's 813-563-3739.
3: If you would like to write in, you can email us at ravens at game of com
2: check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash gom podcast
3: oh. you can also listen to game of microphones on youtube BitShoot, and steam it
2: we're also on twitter instagram gab and minds at gom podcast
3: and we're on tumblr too at game of microphones
2: all right that's our show
3: thanks for listening One last thing, Sir Jamie.
2: Yes, Lady Brienne.
3: Should I fail to persuade the Blackfish to surrender, and if you attack the castle, honor compels me to fight for Sansa's kin? Of course it does. To fight you.
2: Let's hope it doesn't
0: come to that. Fuck you!
2: Yeah, those are your last words. Fuck you. Come on, you can do better. <laughs> You're shit, your shit at dying. You're shit at dying. You know that. <laughs> that is a classic quote right there.
3: Oh my god. It was so funny.
2: Damn legendary the hound for the win.
3: Cersei's like fuck I need to go deal with these guys come on the mountain come follow me my little pet dog
2: (laughs) come on the mountain
3: (laughs) (laughs) come along the mountain come on Mountie (laughs) she goes I choose violence and I'm like yes oh my god the mountain's gonna fuck some shit up here (laughs) so cue the idiot yep he's just doing his thing
2: oh i was like hulk and then i was like wait 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 no not hulk hodor is the hulk
3: juggernaut yeah juggernaut exactly yeah juggernaut yes he is the juggernaut for sure
2: totally thoros is like you've got friends and sandor is like <laughs> not anymore, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> oh man that sucks
3: that's so great
2: and without even turning to look at him, he, Sandor holds up the axe, pointing at him. He's just like, "Drop that arrow, you bloody girl!" <laughs> and that's a fucking great line. Um, a little, a little sexist, but hilarious nonetheless. It was uh,
0: funny,
2: right? Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's just great. He's pulling the boots off this guy while he's still struggling, and his legs and are all kicking looking at him and, him. and he just like
3: looks at and looks around. And he's like, "Got anything to eat?" <laughs>
2: they need to act
3: with haste
2: yeah <laughs> big time big time it's like i'd fuck her you'd fuck her wouldn't you projects like i'm her
3: squire
2: <laughs> silly it's little like, you showed
3: her your magic cock <laughs>
2: yeah yeah you had to her it. Right now. <laughs> like, oh,
3: speaking of cocks i wanted to mention oh my god <laughs> that was weird
2: <laughs> <laughs> hilarious
3: oh god my chair is squeaking sorry I want to cut his hair so bad, like get it out of <laughs> out of the crown. Like it's like all uneven, and the crown's like squishing it down. It, his hair drives me crazy. That's
2: hilarious.
3: I just want to like buzz it,
2: just buzz it, just buzz that shit. So he's like, "I'll remind you that our houses are at war. You <laughs> know, I'm sorry if this conflict has inconvenienced you, <laughs> but rebelling against the crown does have consequences." So Edmure is like, what this? What is this bullshit? Like, we didn't come here to talk about our sisters. And Jamie's like, ah, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> that's exactly why I came here.
3: I'm gonna catapult your baby yeah. <laughs> into <Yeah>. a wall. <laughs> the many-faced God was promised a name. He must always receive what is his. You can't change that. I can't change that. No, no one can. can. So she starts running and then she slides under a cart. So I'm like, okay, well now she has to be bleeding. She like slides down stone steps Steps. on her stab wounds and (laughs) now she's still not bleeding. Okay. So
2: painful. Oh my God. The father above beckons you into his hall in seventh heaven. I'll see you once more. And then that's when it like gets intense. But now I seek vengeance on Sansa the whore. Oh, I was like, damn. Oh my God,
3: They called Sansa a whore. Yeah, She's like the most virtuous person <laughs> on the planet. That's what I
2: thought was funny, too. I was like, uh, I, you know, I doubt Arya realized or would have wanted her script changed to result in her sister being called a whore. But, you know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think Bran needs to change the hilt of the sword. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> I've been looking at Lannister Gold my entire life.
2: <laughs> Missandei was like, I've had it before. It made me feel funny.
3: Cause that's how you know it's working. <laughs> I can't wait.
2: I know it's gonna be so good.
3: Da da da. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite.
2: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. The dragons
3: like screeching. Flying ships. I'm talking myself out of my own theory.
2: It's hilarious.
3: Give up the castle. Save your baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> It's pretty. Like, what are they not going to let the Lord of Liver run? Liver run.
3: You are not the Lord of this castle, my lord. <laughs> so we cut down to like the, the bowels of the the castle. I the like bowels, to call it.
2: Yeah, the bowels
3: of the castle. They're in like this,
2: and it's about to poop out, Brian.
3: <laughs> <and pod. laughs>
2: yeah, pod. Yeah, poop a pod.
3: Poopapod.
2: <laughs> a modern historian called the unmarried king a quote, rambunctious, devil-may-care soldier, without natural dignity or social graces, with no cultivated tastes and little show of religious piety or morality. <laughs> Indeed, according to his critics, addicted to every vice, particularly lust and especially sodomy. Ew.